Welcome to You Hear Big Girls, Attack on Titan podcast. I'm Mom Taco. And I'm Luna. Welcome to our chapter 114 podcast. The latest chapter featured Zeke's childhood, showing us how he became the man he is today. Moreover, we also found out what his plans are for the Eldian race. Have all the secrets been revealed? Today we are joined by two guests to help answer that question and more. Since the chapter polls feature heavily in our discussions, it's long overdue for us to get the gang together for the podcast. So with that in mind, we're happy to welcome Cash, who joined the poll team in 2017, and Aaron Jaegerbombs, also known as Heidi, who joined us in 2018. Welcome to you both. Hi, I'm Cash, also known as Cashy on Tumblr and Druidic Tablespoon on Reddit. I'm a fan artist who's been interested in SNK since season one, but I began actively participating in fandom in 2016, and I've been working on the poll since chapter 95. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm Heidi. As Momtaku said, I'm Aaron's Jacob Bums on Tumblr. I've been a fan of this series since season one. Generally, I'm best known for making graphics or writing meta. I was asked to come help with the polls early last year, and it's been a joy working on them. I'm glad to be here today. Thank you. And Heidi has also set up her own episode poll team since joining the chapter poll team. I hope we'll be seeing a return of that once Return to Shiganshina starts airing. Yeah, we plan on we plan on doing more. It was a lot of fun. A lot of work, but a lot of fun. So <laughs> Yeah, I agree. So I'm happy we'll be coming back. The continuation of the anime is still two months away, so we'll have to wait a bit to see our favorite characters return to the small screen. Luckily, Momtaku got to enjoy her favorite character in manga form this chapter, as Zeke was featured front and center. I'd like to start by asking our guests, uh, was this chapter a home run or a foul ball? What do you think, Ash? I love this chapter. I'm a big Warrior fan regardless, and I know that Zeke's kind of gone off on his own, obviously, is probably the main antagonist. But we needed this backstory so badly on him because everything he's been up to at this point has been such a mystery. And now that we finally have an idea of where he's coming from, what his goal is, it feels good. I really liked it. Also, Tiny Warrior Babies in the single panel was my favorite. (laughs) Totally worth it because of that. What about you, Heidi? I was very thrilled with this chapter. Uh, When we got the cliffhanger in 113, I I figured this was what was coming. And I was really looking forward to it, to know what motivates Zeke, what drives him, and hopefully what his end goal was. And we got all of that in this chapter. My empathy points for Zeke went up like a billion. I already like his character a lot anyway. So now I just feel really bad for him. But the chapter also kind of made me feel a little better about what Aaron's probably going to do by the end of the story. So that gave me a bit more hope. So I was happy with this chapter. Okay, now I'm a little bit curious. So what do you think uh, Aaron is going to do by the end of the story? And why does it make you feel better? Since the big reveal is that the founding Titan can alter Eldian DNA, my theory right now is that most likely there's a way to take away the, I don't know, biological component or whatever it is that allows Eldians to access paths or become Titans. Maybe Aaron can think of a way, or maybe it'll end up being Zeke if he gets his mind changed or anything like that, that they can just take away that component from Eldians so that they can just be like normal people again. So without having to sterilize everyone? Yes, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers crossed for a somewhat happy ending. So what about you, Lena? What did you think? Um, I'm kind of in the middle about this chapter because I did appreciate seeing Zeke's backstory and I did really empathize with him when he was a child. But for me, it doesn't make up, you know, all his wrongdoings as an adult. And quite frankly, I do have some issues with, you know, his grand scheme and the way he came to it and the way he plans to execute it. I'm not very sure how I feel about that. And 
I'm a bit underwhelmed with that part of the chapter. Where do you stand on this, Momtaku? I'm always glad that I have a few days to process chapter because when I first got it, like Heidi, I knew it was going to be the Zeke reveal and I was a little anxious about that because he's a character that I have unashamedly enjoyed hating. I absolutely <laughs> have detested him and I didn't want to change that because loving to hate a character is such a unique thrill. So I'm glad I had a few days to process this. I, I still hate Zeke. I still can't stand him. I, I, his arrogance, his lack of remorse, I mean, the sad childhood flashback really doesn't affect how I feel about modern day Zeke. But I will say that, yeah, it affected me. Like, I think especially where the chapter kicked off, that, that very first scene of Zeke, when we see them in Liberio on the tower overlooking the city. You see who Zeke was when he was born. He's timid, he's shy, he's clutching his father's chest. The only time he perked up is when the older gentleman appeared. And you see Zeke just like shoot up and smile at him and be greeted with a bucket of, of water in the <laughs> face. And I, I mean, I am not a monster. I was totally moved by that. I was, I was moved by a lot of things about Zeke, but I'm not a fan still. I can pity him now and it's way less fun to hate him now. I enjoyed the chapter, but I hope we're done with Zeke's backstory now and we move into the rest of the story. This chapter right now is, it's still like ranked highly, still the most people gave it a five out of five. But if we look at previous two chapters, 113 was rated, let's see, a 4.48 out of five. And this one is, with all the votes we have so far, 4.28 out of five. Considering it's a closing chapter, were you expecting a higher ranking based on uh, on what was revealed? I think with Zeke being so controversial as a character, there's going to be a lot of people who hate this chapter no matter what, just because Zeke is in it. Mm, I don't know if that's the reason why, because I've seen most people kind of empathizing with Zeke, but the thing the main gripe people have is actually the reveal of the grand master plan. Yeah, I think most people are upset that it's something that either was so obvious we didn't think it was going to be the case or it's just kind of more simple than we expected. I know when I read the spoilers before the chapter came out, I just saw sterilization and I'm like, are, are you serious? That's it? Yeah. I was expecting something, but I'm at peace with it now. So it's kind of whatever. But I, I was expecting something a lot more, I don't know, grandiose. I think a, a lot of us were because my first reaction when we figured out that Zeke was going to be committing genocide through um, eugenics was like, Zeke's a child-free man. He just hates kids, obviously. And immediately making memes and just making fun of it because it seems silly. But I think after reading the chapter, seeing like, I mean, there's so much hate, self-hatred for themselves and so much this mm -hmm. like repeated thematic element of, I wish I was never born. It, throughout the whole series from a lot of the different characters, the self-hatred that they have, it, it makes sense at least from Zeke's perspective. Yeah, after, after actually reading the chapter and seeing how he was treated growing up, how he was, you know, how people interacted with him, I kind of don't blame him for coming to this conclusion that it's maybe not better to be alive at all. The problem is where he oversteps his boundaries and decides that should be the fate for every single living Eldian. I think Luna knows how I felt about it because the question we asked in the poll, how do you feel about the reveal of Zeke's plan? The worst option was I stayed up all night wallowing in my disappointment, which was a call out to me because I think she caught me on um, Andrew Allstar's Discord server complaining about it at 3 a.m. But again, you know, I've had some time. 
I've processed. And really the idea, I mean, the problem is Titan inheritance, right? There are nine Titans who are shifters who can wreak havoc with the rest of their race, whether it's by killing them or spinal fluid. The idea of stopping that, and the only way to stop that is not to have babies. If they could stop that for 13 years or however long it takes for the current generation of Titans to die out, it's not a terrible plan. But how do you change them back then? I don't think it's a temporary fix. I agree. But I don't actually hate it anymore. You know, there's two solutions. There's rewrite genetics so that they're no longer Titans or let the Titans die out. And that's really the two choices. I guess the third one being learn to get along, which apparently is not a choice. Yeah, my my issue with the learn to get along one is that you still have these nine Titans that can transfer to Eldian babies. So you're forever condemning at least nine kids at any given time to die within 13 years. And like, there's no freedom in that, really. So I thought about that a little bit. And the, um, the Titans only transfer to babies if a Titan unexpectedly dies, right? If he cannot transfer his Titan powers. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's also one thing that I wonder about the plan. Because Zeke says in 100 years, all the aliens should have died out. But when will the Titans die out? Is that when it's... 13 years if there's like no more babies to pass on the titans to or will then the titan power shift to adults automatically if he manage, manages to you know alter the reproductive system of the eldians b people could pass on the titan powers to like the elderly you can have like some 85 year old person inherit the titan and then just keep on passing it on cuz why not you know you don't have to give it to young viral people anymore they're not they're not viable weapons anymore, weapons of war. You know, they've been outclassed by actual weapons of war. So they don't really serve a purpose in the world. They're not like the worst danger in this world either. I think they could do something to make sure that the alien race is no longer a threat and they could kind of coexist with the rest of the world. Yeah, that that's be, possible. Yeah. It's a very underwhelming ending for the series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it probably won't happen, but... One of my things also with that, though, is too, is that Eldians are kind of at the mercy of other people. For example, Marley with their syringes. You know, if they want to transform an Eldian yeah. into a Titan, that, that option is there. And Eldian doesn't really, has no way to prevent it if, you know, they're yeah. forced into it or whatever. Biological warfare. Yeah, so there's still a lot of issues with it, which is why I think it's best if the component is just gone altogether. But we'll see where Isayama takes it. On the one hand, I want the cycle to be broken, but on the other hand, maybe this is just something that the world needs to accept. Like, that this is just a very sad trait the aliens have, and 13 people of the alien race will always be affected by this curse, but maybe they can somehow move forward from this. But then we also see, like, with how much prejudice is built up already in their society regarding, like, Xaver's wife, Reiner's parents, there's a lot to overcome. And then keeping those nine titans around is like basically keeping nine weapons of mass destruction at large in the world. I, I can't see the series ending with the titans still being usable. Like I, I'm definitely in the camp that by the end of the series, there's going to be, there, maybe they'll use paths to remove the titan component completely from the Eldians. I mean, that's the hope. And I think, you know, Aaron's plan all along, especially was it chapter 107? Was that the chapter with the train flashback? He's in agreement with Zeke that he does not want to pass this power on to anyone. So I can see where 
Zeke and Aaron at least agree on that one thing. Titan inheritance needs to Mm -hmm. stop. It absolutely needs to stop. That's uniting them at this point. So how how they plan on stopping it, though, is what we need to find out. Well, we know how Zeke plans on it. I can't wait to see what Aaron is planning. Aaron definitely wouldn't approve with this nest sterilization thing. I just can't believe that for a second he'd do such a 180 on his character that he would suddenly think, oh, well, we should just kill all of our own people when he's been fighting against people who want to kill them this whole time. I would feel very betrayed. (laughs) Yeah. And in the poll, we asked that. We asked the question, does Aaron agree with this plan? And that's one area where as a fandom, we're completely united. I think um, at this point, 77% say no way. There's no way he agrees with this. And the remaining 20% say, I'm not sure. So I mean, combining those numbers, that's like 90, 95% of us that find it unfathomable that Aaron would be okay with this. I think it's very certain that they have different ideas. I don't know if you saw the post on Reddit, but like the panel where Zeke remembers Aaron in his like hobo form. And he's like, Aaron, you're the only one who understands. And then at the bottom, there's a panel with like an open space on the left side and like the forest on the other side. Yeah, someone pointed that out on Tumblr too. Uh, They drew a line and Zeke's facing the way towards less trees and Aaron's facing the way towards more trees. Exactly. Yeah, that was a great catch. So that bottom panel probably represents the Eldian race where Zeke wants to terminate them and Aaron wants to see the aliens flourish, but at the cost of the rest of the world, by the way things are looking now. Awkward silence. I was waiting for Heidi to say how good of a boy Aaron is and he would never do that. Aaron is a good boy and he would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that panel where um, Xaver is like... um, you did nothing wrong. You're a smart, good boy. Like, I want to take that and turn it into a meme and drop Aaron's face on it. You know, there's so many people who are like, you did nothing wrong. You're a smart, good boy. (laughs) Honestly, you could use that for like 90% of the characters. You could. You could. Reiner, everybody. Like, that is perfect. That is the fandom. And Zeke in that panel is the favorite character. Whomever it is, he did nothing wrong. (laughs) I just see Luna putting like Falco in there. Falco did nothing wrong ever in his life precious boy. He is. He's my cinnamon bun. Leave him alone. He is a good boy. Well, let's get into the chapter in earnest. So like we said, the story starts off with Zeke's childhood and the mixed bag of problems that that was. One thing we asked in the poll was whether or not this chapter affected your feelings about certain characters, and Grisha Yeager took a huge hit. While he was never, I think, favorably viewed in the fandom before, now a huge percentage of the fandom views him as a total and complete monster. What did you guys think about Zeke's childhood with his parents? Any redeeming qualities there or no? Quite frankly, I was rather shocked at just how abysmal Grisha was as a parent. Like we knew he wasn't a great parent, but I had no idea that he was this bad. The way he expresses disappointment at Zeke, like not even, like at least when he was in training, he averted his face. But then at the dining room table, he was like looking at him with disgust almost. And then poor Zeke was, when he cried in his bed, that's when my heart broke for Zeke, like for baby Zeke. I felt so, so terribly bad for him. And I, I will say, although Dina doesn't seem to be a great parent in this, at least she talked Grisha down. She was like, no, it's not that bad. We have other options. You know, Zeke was trying his best. Isn't that good enough? And Grisha was just like, no, 
everything's ruined now. Our son sucks. Yeah, I think Grisha kind of exemplifies the type of parents who put a lot of pressure on their kids to be a certain way and to believe certain things and don't give that kid any room for any kind of leeway or other ideas of their own. And I've had friends who have dealt with parents like that. So it kind of touched me emotionally because most kids don't come out of those situations okay. There's just a lot of pressure you have to live under. And Zeke clearly wanted to make his parents proud of him. Uh, whenever they praised him, you can see a little smile on his face. And when they show the disappointment, he starts crying. That affected me because it's a very real situation. And I think Grisha did better with Aaron later on. But with Zeke, he was just an absolute disaster of a parent. Yeah, I agree, Heidi. Anyone who has children knows that their instinct is to want to please you. They want to live up to your expectations, whatever those expectations are. And, you know, we see Zeke trying and... um but I think what happens is it creates a cycle where Grisha didn't realize that Zeke wasn't on board. Zeke was saying the right words. He was doing the right things. Grisha probably thought that they were all as a family working towards the same thing. And it's just, he wasn't paying enough attention. He didn't, he wasn't looking closely at his son to realize that's not the case. That is not what his son wanted in life. And, you know, while it does make Grisha a bad parent, I feel like it makes him a relatable one. And I know everyone's talking about that dining room scene where he screams at his kid. Um, again, like, I don't know. It, it's pretty human to me. I, I found that sort of relatable. Yeah, as I say, I've, I've experienced the having my dad yell at me at the dinner table experience. So <laughs> I get that one. Yeah. And as a parent, it happens. You know, we're not perfect. We screw up. And I'm not justifying... Grisha Yeager. He himself admits to being a horrible parent. He takes all the blame for this situation, which is a positive in my book. Mm -hmm. But the damage that he and Dinah did is just horrible. It's hor it was a horrible chapter. I mean, literally reading this chapter, it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like how horrible could this kid's life get? Anything, Cash? I, I think the only thing that I could bring up is that while he had Grisha and Dina as parents that weren't obviously the most supportive and everything that we've already talked about, I do think that it's good that he at least had his grandparents who were there for him. Like he did have people that loved him in his life and were there to support him. And I don't want to go into Xavier yet because I think we're going to talk a lot more about him later, right? We are, definitely. Well, I wonder, even at his grandparents' house, he was like, forced to read the books about the true Eldian history, right? I have a feeling that's pretty much every Eldian. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to say, I think in the internment zone in Liberio, that's, that's just Eldian life. Like the kids have to learn their history and, you know, they're going to talk about and read the cat book next time. You know, there, there was good things about <laughs> At least he was able to read like normal children's book at his grandparents' place. But I feel like at both houses, he would get some sort of indoctrination. But don't you think too that the grandparents realized that maybe maybe Grisha and Dinah were involved with something suspicious. I mean, Grandpa Jaeger has probably known his entire life that Grisha had these feelings of anger and resentment. I think that they were talking to Zeke in that situation, not indoctrinating him, but just worried. You know, are you learning? Is this, you know, is everything okay at home? I mean, they're just being concerned. I think they were just being concerned grandparents at that point. And yeah, mm -hmm. the mention of the cat book, tomorrow night we'll read the cat book. I mean, that was just, that put such a smile on my face. I think it's good to show that because we see Zeke as modern day Zeke showing affection towards his grandparents. 
and even Levi uses them as uh, leverage. You know, he says, I'll just send you back home and reveal your plot and your grandparents are going to bite the dust because of it. And so it seems like it's pretty well known that he does care about his grandparents. So it was nice to see how they interacted when he was a kid. It definitely humanizes him a lot more versus him just being this manipulative four dimensional chess player trying to overthrow everything. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of everybody, like, just chalking him up to be this, like, infallible genius character that can't mess anything up. And, like, lately I've noticed frustration among the fandom that, oh, Levi beat him again, or, you know, this or that. But he's he's clearly a human and makes mistakes. Oh, absolutely. I think he likes to gamble a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we like to think he's this incredibly intelligent character who has all his plans, you know, sorted out and is playing 40 chess with everyone. but in meantime he's also just taking a lot of chances and just got really lucky sometimes and sometimes also he didn't get so lucky like at the end of the return to Shiganshina. Even the fact that he was presented as such an unremarkable cadet was very humanizing. I mean he was the Reiner group right? He was always behind. He was struggling to keep up. I will say in Reiner's defense I mean like baby Reiner at least did better than a lot of the other cadets. Zeke was going to get thrown out you know in like the prelims basically and there was a, a part earlier, I think, I don't want to like, jump ahead too much, but we were talking a little bit earlier about this, and um, I don't think Zeke is necessarily physically that much weaker. I think it was his resolve. Like, he wanted to make his parents proud, but he, at heart, he did not want to be a warrior. He didn't want to do all that. The, the biggest joy that he had was when Xaver said that he could be a baseball player. At least to me, when I was reading the chapter, that's what it looked like. He was so excited about that, that he had a talent. That something that he was good at that wasn't just being a warrior or trying to be a warrior. He, he's able to use those baseball skills pretty efficiently now. Yeah, I'm <laughs> combining <laughs> business and pleasure. <laughs> so in a childhood fistfight, Reiner would still beat Zeke. Well, obviously that he got his ass kicked in uh, right before Return to Shiganshina. So maybe back then, if they both been the same size, same age. I have to admit, every time that someone compares Zeke to Reiner, a little bit of my soul dies. It's interesting how Luna pointed out that Zeke's kind of seems like a bit of a gambler because that's something we know about Urban's character. So that's kind of an interesting parallel. Um, oh, great. When you consider, <laughs> when you consider the, uh, the Return of Shiganshina arc. <laughs> I did oh, want to say it. <laughs> I love you for that, Heidi. Thank you. A little part of my soul died. <laughs> In the Return of Shiganshina arc, you know, they're kind of, Erwin and Zeke are kind of shown as the opposing forces at that point. And if they're both kind of gambling characters, that makes it a little more interesting when you backread it. It's true. They're both considered like the 4D chess guys, right? And I will mm -hmm. say this, that at least during Return to Shiganshina, while it was largely a draw, I do think the survey core, Erwin's plan one, although it's, you know, one of those Pyrrhic victories, like it always is in this manga. Nobody ever actually wins anything. It's always at such huge cost and expense that it's impossible to call anything a victory at this point. What I thought was interesting about Zeke being so unremarkable as a cadet, whether it was because of his motivation or because he was just smaller than the other kids, is that that's what made Xaver notice him. Xaver sees this kid struggling and I mean, you could call it coincidence, but I have to believe the scene where he first meets Zeke and tosses the baseball to him, it, it does seem like it was a, not a coincidence that was Xaver saw this kid and immediately decided to get to know him. Well, I'm on board with the Xaver was working with Kruger plan 
theory or whatever. So I, I kind of think maybe it was premeditated, but I do think he did feel a personal connection to Zeke once he got to know him. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Heidi on this one. There's just too many hints thrown out through this chapter. Like even the owl was mentioned again. The moment where he rats, uh, where Zeke rats his parents out, we see that figure standing in the doorway, which is possibly Kruger. It just, it, it seems highly likely that they were working together, that probably Kruger kind of hinted at Xaver to keep an eye on Zeke, probably because of like the backstory with his son that he felt some sort of connection towards Zeke that he maybe didn't anticipate beforehand. Yeah, I think that maybe. It's possible the plan only went as far as getting Grisha over to Paradis um, so he could become the attack titan. And then after that, whatever Xaver and uh, Zeke might have had was probably genuine. Yeah. Something that I read, and I don't remember who said it, but I didn't come up with this myself, was that the reason that Xaver kind of encouraged Zeke to rat his parents out wasn't so much for Zeke's self-preservation, but more so because he told Xaver that the Marleyan uh, military was onto the owl, that they were about to find him out, and that would also put Xaver at risk. Yes. And the entire plan. So that was probably why he encouraged Zeke to betray his parents and sell them out, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't get this warm paternal feeling from Tom Xaver. I thought he was very manipulative and almost in a grooming kind of way. Not that there was like anything else he wanted from Zeke, but it just made me very uncomfortable. The whole relationship seemed very inappropriate. And what do you think about that? It seemed orchestrated to me. Like there was a lot of yep. orchestration in, in how it happened. But we did pull the fandom on that. Do you think Xaver is a good person? And granted, this was, you know, a day or two after the chapter was released. But so far, 66% do think that he was a good person. And another 20% are like, I don't know, something might be going on here. So, you know, it's hard to trust anyone in this manga when you see a character smiling and being friendly and the moment where he looks at Zeke and says, well, this is because we're both good people, you know, immediately alarm bells start going off. But I do believe he truly cared about Zeke. I do think he was manipulating things, but I think the concern was genuine. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, especially after the flashback to his own wife and his his son after after they died, I, I think he was heavily projecting onto Zeke as like a like a surrogate child, pretty much. But I also agree, too, that he's fishy. There's just too much going on that he could possibly be involved with. I'm not totally sold on the Kruger and Xaver, like, knowing each other, or maybe they had a past history, but after um, Xaver became a warrior, that maybe that was strained. I'm I'm not sure at this point, but I do think that there's something else going on, but I'm not sure when or if we're ever going to get the answers to that. I feel like we have to get more answers about Xaver. I think it's just enough about his story that doesn't quite add up the fact that he was able to hide his Eldian status for so long, how a middle-aged man became the Beast Titan. There's a lot there that... Yeah, I, that's I also something I was wondering yes. about. Like, How do you have a family, live in Marley, and then all of a sudden you're like this exemplary Eldian who gets to inherit the Beast Titan? Like, where are all your records? Like, he must have faked that real good. And I think Kruger mentioned that he was working together with someone who helped him forge his records right and didn't he mention yes. also a titan researcher yep 
I, I mean, that's why I, I definitely think maybe they could have had a connection in the past because of those things. I mean, we've had these breadcrumbs being dropped since, you know, like chapter, what, 89 or whatever. It's kind of curious that he didn't mention more about it in this chapter. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not 100% sold that they're still in cahoots together at this point. Unless the fact that Zeke wasn't able to become a warrior was was the tipping point for this plan with Grisha. We asked in the poll, do you think Xaver was working with Kruger? And that's the question that is most hotly, I mean, that's a 50 split at this point. I've been watching the numbers on that one as it creeps back and forth between the yeses and the noes. And clearly something the fandom is thinking about. We like Xaver. We, we are glad that Zeke had him in his life. But yeah, we're just at this point, we're the ones that are groomed just to sort of side eye and be suspicious of everything, I think. Yeah. But it's a nice, almost 50-50 split, right? Mm-hmm. Right there. I'm curious to see how things will turn out. By the way, did you guys guess correctly last chapter during the poll? We also asked if Xaver was the Beast Titan or not. What did you guys answer? I thought he was. I did too. His armband is a different color. Yeah, it was colored in, so I I assumed it was the red color. Yeah, I thought that he was definitely one of the... He was a Titan shifter, but I wasn't sure if he was the Beast Titan or not. I actually am in the very sad minority of people who did not think he was the Beast Titan, and I based that primarily on how he looked. I I just thought he didn't look like one of the fit buff warrior types. I thought maybe, <laughs> you know, he was a, in a warrior family. But also it was the closing scene in chapter 113 where he kind of held out the hope of Zeke becoming a pitcher. You want to be a pitcher when you grow up. You want to play baseball. To me, if Xaver was the Beast Titan. That seemed really cruel to me. And I didn't, I wanted to like Xaver. I wanted to think highly of him. So I, I kind of was like hedging my bets here thinking, no, let's just say he was a nice guy in Zeke's life who had different aspirations for him. Somebody that Zeke loved that was taken from him tragically and that set Zeke into this dark path. So I, I yeah, I, I went beyond the story in this moment and kind of came up with my own headcanon that of course I was wrong. So I accept it. It's a nice thought, though. Yeah, I wanted him to be, I wanted a nice, my intentions were good. I wanted him to be a nice guy who, you know, wanted Zeke to have autonomy. And I'm not sure that I have that anymore since Zeke did end up taking his power and heading down this path. It it makes it even a little bit more morbid because if he was working with Kruger throughout all this, I mean, he knew Zeke was going to be inheriting a Titan. So he's like trying to instill this hope in him. And at the same time, you know, Zeke is just going to take a Titan and then you know, pass away in 13 years, there's no way he'll be able to want to be a pitcher or anything else. The fact that he was, you know, discouraged it so heavily in the beginning, you know, we're both nice people. You don't want to do this. You don't want my power. And then, you know, when the moment comes where Zeke says, I'll take it, I'm going to do this. Xaver's just silent. We don't see what Xaver says after that, whether it was encouraging or discouraging at that point. Yeah, I always thought he would be like a family friend to the Jaegers. And you know, somebody who would like be very familiar with Zeke, but also his parents and kind of, you know, raise him more or less after Grisha and Dina were sent off to uh, Utopia. But I kind of wonder, did Dina and Grisha even know who he was? Like, were they completely surprised to see him there when they were like led away in the carriage? Like, who is this stranger with my son? I wonder. I, I've been wondering that as well. The same. I mean, I, I don't know. 
obviously they the LDNs that are the warriors have the red armbands and I don't know how well known those you know individuals are we can see in the beginning of the Marley chapters at least with Reiner that a lot of the people in Liberio know know who he is know that he's the armored titan so I wonder if they would have known that Xaver was the beast I think so probably they're very recognizable I guess and the fact that Zeke was in the warrior program and that this was a warrior, I doubt they were side-eyeing it too much. It probably made sense that the existing warriors would be part of the training for the cadets. Right. Well, and I don't even know if they really ever saw Xaver with Zeke. I mean, the one time that they were playing, you know, catch ball, Zeke comes home and is going to tell Grisha about it. And then Grisha's like, oh, you got home early? Guess we have more time to study. He honestly just didn't show any interest at all in like what Zeke was doing outside of trying to push him to become this warrior that will be able to infiltrate and help bring out their plan. I don't know. This whole chapter makes me really sad for Zeke. He's it is. He is the worst, but also I'm glad that we had this. He's now a sympathetic antagonist, which is personally I like those kind of antagonists the best because they make you kind of think about your own stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. The sympathy is definitely there, but was his story bad enough to justify what he's doing? And I think we asked that in the poll. There are so many tragic backstories here. Where does Zeke rank in this? Is it the worst? Is it Does he win the award for childhood misery? Where does he fall in this? And I know I was very firmly in the camp of, yeah, it was bad, but others have had it bad too. And it's certainly not bad enough that it merited destroying his entire race. It's understandable but it's not justifiable. Do you guys think he had it worse than everybody else in this series? For me, that's a firm no. Yeah, he had it rough as a child, but he went full Final Fantasy fill in this chapter. Like, let's end all suffering by ending the entire Eldian race. And it's, <laughs> I don't know, I, it's crazy to me. I, I, I don't sympathize with him at all as an adult. I, he's, he seems someone who's very mentally ill but also very narcissistic and someone who's just it's hard to offer up any sympathy for him but i can for him as a child because he didn't do anything wrong he didn't you know go on a killing spree as a child he he just wanted a solution to to all the suffering did he come to the best conclusion no but i can understand him as a child better but as an adult He's done so many things that are absolutely abhorrent. For me, I'm still, even as an adult, kind of sympathizing with him because it seems to be the only thing that's driving him is this, like, I don't know, kind of pact he made with Xaver to to go through with this. And it's, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to what Kenny said way back when, that everybody's a slave to something. So Zeke is basically a slave to this ideal that him and, and Xaver kind of came up with together. And I just think it's really kind of sad and pitiful. It does not, obviously, of course, merit any of the bad stuff that he's done. And I don't think any of that's forgivable. But I like to think that maybe there's a possible or a possibility that he might be able to redeem himself in some form by the end, or at least like atone for what he's done. But I don't think the story could ever forgive it. Well, that's true of so many of these characters. Hmm. It would be interesting to see if Zeke will come around at the end. I actually saw this, I, I guess it was kind of a crack post on Tumblr where he needs to go talk to Historia so she can punch some sense into him like she did with Aaron when he was depressed. Yeah, that'd be great. I was like, oh, well, we need to get him to Historia ASAP so she can tell him he's not worthless and he can uh, 
get that in his head. I don't think it'll quite work like that, though. Well, their ideologies are totally different. I mean, Historia's has been, if there's anyone helpless who needs assistance, she's going to be there for them. And Zeke's ideology being, if there's anyone helpless, they should never have been born in the first place. So I'll just keep it from happening. I'll keep them from yeah. ever becoming helpless. And I think it's interesting because Historia certainly has one of those characters that most people would consider having like the worst backstory of any of the characters because her parents were not winners. Um, and she, you know, was driven to a point where she just wanted to die. She, that's all she, that's all she wanted to do is she wanted to go out in a blaze of glory and she got out of that and decided she wants to save everybody that thinks they're worthless, but Zeke's the opposite and just wants the suffering to end altogether. Emir's backstory is another one of those that is just incredibly horrifying. There's nothing about Emir's childhood that was mm -hmm. positive. And, uh, you know, she comes up with the ideology to live for yourself, be selfish. Of course, she didn't, she didn't follow through with that one. She couldn't help trying to help people she cared about. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think it was in um, Ghost Martyrs chapter right up this month. Ghost Martyr talks about how many people in the story have gotten to the point where literally they've kind of stepped to the edge of the cliff and said, I don't want to be alive anymore. We've seen Reiner, Mikasa, Aaron, Zeke, Historia, character after character after character where they life is not worth living anymore. And every single one of them have had a change of heart except for Zeke. Uh, they've all managed to like step back from the cliff, Reiner by remembering the, the two children that he cares about, Historia by remembering other people who are unloved. It's just, it's wonderful to see all these other characters turning around and focusing on the beauty in life. Zeke is our exception. Yeah. And that's why, even if it has to happen in the very last chapter, I would like to see him, if he's going to sacrifice himself or if he can't get back from that edge of the cliff since I kind of think he's been pushed over it anyway, that maybe he can do it in a way that would at least save everybody, but I, I might be too hopeful there. Wrong manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrong manga. <laughs> One thing I wanted to touch on, on Reddit, Scarlet Moonlight asked us to discuss Grisha's development. Uh, she wrote, I don't have a question for the podcast, but I have a request. Would you please discuss Grisha's development? I think this chapter highlights the difference between the Grisha in Liberio and the Grisha who lived in Paradise. And I, I think that's real interesting too. I, I, I feel like we all sort of agree that Grisha did better with Aaron. I think what this chapter crystallized for me was just how much better he did. Like Carla and Aaron had no idea what Grisha was doing. He did not involve them in his activities. And clearly he was busy because he figured out who the Reese family was, where they lived, where they were meeting. Grisha worked underground the whole time he was in Paradise, not just writing out his life story, but looking for that founding titan. And I think what's really remarkable for me, it's only when Grisha realized Aaron's resolve, when Aaron was adamant about joining the Survey Corps. At that point, Grisha said, I'm going to show you what's in the basement. And I feel like he let Aaron make up his mind. And at that point, when Aaron was adamant, Grisha's time was up. Hearing that, I have a feeling they were going to make the trip to the basement and maybe talk about this situation and maybe wait for Aaron to give consent. And it explains to me why tears were literally running down his eyes, why he was in agony having to inject Aaron without his permission. I mean, am I the only one that feels this? Uh, yeah, I, I generally agree that he did much better with Aaron and I've kind of always been in the Grisha defense camp because 
I always thought it was kind of obvious that he was a caring and loving man to his son. It's only when Zeke came to, to, into the picture where I was kind of like, oh, maybe he wasn't so great. But after this chapter, I definitely agree he did better with with Aaron and possibly might not have even wanted to have to inject him at all, but possibly wanted to. I'm not sure. But I don't think he thought about it until Aaron actually expressed interest in joining the Survey Corps to uh, to see the world outside and not have to be so ignorant. But I think that injecting him was ended up kind of being a last resort and desperate thing for him in the end. But do you think when he said to Aaron early, early in the series, when I get home, I'll show you the basement, what do you think that was all about? I do think he was going to go home or go down and show him the books and explain to him the situation. I think he would have been honest and open with him and to see if it was something Aaron was going to agree with or not. I think he would have shown him, but not in such a do- an indoctrinating way like he did with Zeke. We never saw um, Grisha talk to Aaron in the same way he like talked to Zeke at all. Like there was Mm-mm. no pushing for fighting for freedom or fighting to get out of these walls. Like it seems like Aaron more came up with that ideology himself. He did, and I think the only thing we get hinted at is that Grisha maybe talks about how the Titans aren't always going to stay outside forever. But other than that, there's no indication he planted any of this thought process into Aaron's mind at all. So. When I first read the series, I remember thinking Aaron is, we see him as a, as a young child screaming about the Titans, about not being complacent. And I remember thinking that, you know, children don't get these thoughts on their own, that, that maybe Grisha was indoctrinating him or putting the fear of Titans in him or this child to have organically become such a, you know, just so hot-headed about the complacency of his society that's the kind of stuff a kid picks up around the dinner table. That's not something the average seven to nine-year-old comes up with on his own. But I really do think now after this chapter that, no, that was Aaron. Aaron from birth, or basically from the moment he could look at that wall, resented it. A lot of it stems from when Arbin showed him that book, because he he was kind of an aloof child. And you see him kind of just staring off into space, but then Armin comes to him with this book, and that's when he realizes, and he says it, I think, in chapter 73. It's going to be in the first episode of the anime, but um, the next. <laughs> anyway, it's coming. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he tells Armin that, you know, until then, he it, it was that moment when he realized that they were like animals living in a cage. And that's when he kind of brought himself to resent the situation he was in and that nobody was doing anything about it. Okay, wait a minute. So that means that all of this is Armin's fault and not Grisha's? <laughs> Uh, I mean, obviously, Armin just wanted to go see the outside world. It's just that when Aaron was told about the wonders of the outside, that's when he was, like, resentful that he couldn't go see those things. You know, I think about, too, in the Uprising arc, when Aaron is suddenly very critical of his father, that his father, you know, caused all these atrocities and killed Historia's sister. And, you know, when all these memories were unlocked, immediately Armin and Mikasa jumped to Grisha's defense. And I feel like if anybody would know Grisha was a monster, it would be them. Mikasa lived with them. She would have seen the interactions. And if and if Grisha was being cruel to Eren, I'm sure she would have responded to that. Well, and we see that Grisha treats Mikasa very well, too. Eren gets like a flashback of it in one of the uprising chapters. He showed her a lot of warmth and care. So I, I think that shows that he was a much more caring person once he got a second chance. Cash, did you have anything? I'm not totally in like the Grisha camp. Like, I will say that seeing this chapter, like you can see where he started being so much worse to the development that we saw in like the previous chapters of the manga. I'm just, I don't know. I just feel like there's something off, but I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. I think I'm 
leaning towards more agreeing with Cash on this one. Obviously, he did better with Aaron than he did with Zeke. I think he acknowledged the mistakes he made with Zeke, and he definitely didn't want to repeat those. But with Aaron, there wasn't really a need to repeat those. He was a very, very different child compared to Zeke. Yeah, it's true. That being said, he didn't really give Zeke much of a choice in terms of like forcing him to inherit a titan. And he did the same thing with Aaron. He didn't give Aaron a choice in the matter, too. He didn't, you know, he had a chance to consult with him. Like, yeah, he was running out of time, but there was no reason to transform or to let Aaron eat him in that forest right at that moment. I'm sure he had days, if not weeks left, if not months left, even. I don't know. At that point, the wall had been broached. I mean, Grisha was out of time. If he hadn't done it then, it's possible nobody would have survived. But he also got, just inherited the founding titan as well. Right. He, that was his last act as a titan was to successfully retrieve the founding titan. That trip to the basement, that never happened. Luna, do you agree that that was probably when they were going to talk about the titan power and possibly Aaron? Oh, I think Aaron would have accepted it if Grisha had told him about it and like about Liberio, his past the truth about the entire world, I think Aaron would have jumped at the chance. So I don't think the outcome would have changed, but I would have preferred, you know, Aaron knowing, because now he was in the dark for five years. That didn't really help either. It didn't. If that conversation had happened, it would have been a totally different manga. But it's like he's criticized for pushing his ideals onto the one child and the other one he kept in the dark, and that ended up being terrible too. In this manga, it really is. There's no winning. Because it's two extremes, like either you indoctrinate a child or you keep him completely in the dark. You know, he never had an open dialogue with either of his children. That I can agree with. There is like a good middle ground that Grisha <laughs> refuses to walk. I can't see him burdening Aaron or Carlo with this until he had to. I think him carrying this burden alone during all that time in Paradise was probably a kindness to both of them. I don't know. I can't see Carla agreeing with the whole thing at all. <laughs> yeah, same. I know, she was no Dinah. Mm -mm. No, she's way more feisty. Actually, I saw someone on Tumblr, I can't remember who it was, pointed out how Carla seemed to be the one who was more likely to impose her views and ideals on Aaron than Grisha was, which was kind of a show of how different he parented Aaron versus Zeke, because you have that moment where she tells Grisha he needs to tell Aaron not to pursue this dream or any of that and Grisha says well you can't tamper a boy's curiosity so what are you, you going to do yeah it was a totally different family dynamic mm -hmm. well I'm sure also Carla was more concerned with you know her son not dying quickly yes or soon <laughs> right. and Grisha probably already planning for a long time to pass on the attack titan to Aaron because you know he knew everyone in the survey court those were the people that actually ventured outside of the worlds, and I don't think he considered any one of them worthy of inheriting the attack titan. So I'm sure he already made peace with himself that his son was going to die 13 years later. Well, if his son had joined the, the Survey Corps, he was a goner. I mean, the Survey Corps had a 90% 90 90 of new recruits were dead within a year. And Aaron would have been one of them had he not inherited the titan. If my kid was telling me that they were sworn on going into a field that was going to absolutely kill them within the first <laughs> year as a 10-year-old or 12-year-old, I mean, getting, giving him the Titan power was actually a guarantee of him living 13 years. I don't think Aaron would have lived 13 years in the Survey Corps. No. Well, obviously not, because <laughs> no. he was dead first time out. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> 
once Grisha was aware that this kid was going to join the Survey Corps and be a suicidal idiot, at least he gave him 13 years. Waiting, waiting, waiting for Heidi to take offense. I'm fine. Um, (laughs) I was just going to say, all of this kind of begs the question of what was he supposed to do after he got the Founding Titan? Because I don't think that Kruger ever elaborates on that, at least on screen. I don't remember. It's just you need to go get the Founding Titan, but then what is he supposed to, where is he supposed to go with it? What's he supposed to do? Who's he supposed to give it to, you know? Grisha did know that it was impossible to fight unless that power was taken from the Reese family. So yeah, what happens after that? Except that he did know the attack Titan would always seek freedom. Aaron wanted freedom. I guess maybe he had to distrust that Aaron would wield the power and, and do what needed to be done next. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, I do agree that Aaron would have died if he had uh, not had the power, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of dying, like, should we move on? Yeah. There's still one thing I don't really understand about Zeke's plan. Because he says he wants to sterilize everyone. But then in previous chapters, he says that they're running out of time. So if there are other nations coming that are going to destroy Paradis and he feels that they're running out of time, why does he feel the need to sterilize everyone? I think what the deal is, is the world's coming to Paradis and it's possible that that was part of his plan to kind of expedite that process. But he needs to get to Eren so he can um, sterilize all of the Eldians because it's not just, they aren't just in Paradise and Liberia, Liberia. they're all over the world. Like Udo came from the Mideast Alliance or whatever. So it's not that they're just condensed to these two spots of the world. They're all over the place. So the only way he can end all of their suffering is to reach out to every single last one. So probably he will need to cooperate with Aaron in some sort of way to do like the magic to their reproductive systems before the the World Alliance. Yeah, before the island is destroyed, they basically need to get this taken care of is Zeke's logic, I'm assuming. Does he then assume that they will not survive? Yeah, that's my question. Is his intention for the Islanders to all die because he's taking away their ability to protect themselves? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Basically, if Paradis gets all wiped out, then that part of his plan is is good and solid. It's just making it so the rest of the Eldians in the world can't have babies, so no more of the Titan powers get passed on and, and all of that. So really you're thinking is that Willie Tiber's speech about, you know, let's make the Paradisians the enemy of the world. You think Zeke's actually on board with that. The worlds assemble, they wipe out Paradis, and then he sterilizes Eldians elsewhere so that they can die off peacefully. Is that what we're thinking is going on? Something like that. He might not necessarily have been in ties with Willie, but maybe use that to his advantage if he wasn't. Otherwise, then I think it is possible he reached out to them personally. I'm not 100% sure, but... Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's a lot in this. And I think on my other Discord servers, that's the conversation. Like, okay, wait a second. Wait a second. He wants to be merciful, let Eldians die. Why bring the world's armies to the shores first? Like, what logic is there? Only explanation I can come up with is either that they're going to use the rumbling to destroy the world's armies to kind of like, you know, buy everybody time, or else they're of the opinion that Paradis can be the scapegoat for everybody else. I think since Zeke seems to, I guess, kind of use the Eldians' lives as disposable, since um, 
you know, he thinks that if they're if they die, that just ends their suffering, and he's fine with that. That he doesn't mind using Paradis as the scapegoat. The issue is just that he needs to take care of business while they still have time before they all get exterminated. Hmm. Yeah, no way Aaron's going to be okay with that. No. <laughs> it does make you wonder what Zeke said to Aaron, though, to convince him to meet up. Like, there's got to be something there. Well, that's where Aaron's motivations come into play, though. I mean, what did what did Yelena or Yelena... How do you pronounce her name? <laughs> I call her Yelena, but whatever. <laughs> we'll go with that. What did Yelena say to Aaron um, to make him start taking other measures? You know, what did Aaron and Zeke talk about? Did Aaron go with this mindset of luring Zeke into his own trap? You know, are they working together? Or are they not? It's all still a big, big question mark. I think they're both on the same, of the same mindset that they want to end the curse. Like they want to end things. And I'm sure that, Zeke told him about the fact that the founding titan can alter the alien's body, their DNA, or whatever. I'm not quite sure how it works. So I'm sure Aaron wants to use that to his advantage to break the cycle of the titans. But I think that's just for the alien's own good. But I think Aaron is still, you know, they know he knows that the rest of the world sees them as the devils. And I, I don't think he, he thinks that can ever be changed or not within his lifetime for sure. So I'm I'm positive that he's still out to destroy the world, but I think he wants to use the Founding Titan's power to help the Eldian people, while Zeke wants to use its power to destroy, to bring an end to the Eldian people. That's what I think at this point. Yeah, I guess it's unclear if Aaron still wants to destroy the rest of the world or his enemies or whatever. I, I still tend to loop back to the way he was talking to Reiner and Falco about how you know, he kind of sees and understands now everybody's the same. That maybe if, if mm-hmm. he went with that mindset originally, he's had a change of heart. But I don't know, because we haven't had his point <laughs> of view since chapter 90. So I don't think he's like excited or like thinks it as sees it as a good thing, you know, destroying the rest of the world, but more something that he deems necessary, even though like the rest of the world probably doesn't deserve it either in his eyes now that he's been to the other side of the ocean but I feel like he probably doesn't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, it's messy. I think it's interesting in the poll, we did ask the question, like, which is the lesser of two evils, destroy the world or destroy all the Eldians? And I know, Luna, you were super adamant about not giving people an option aside from those two. You had to pick. And at this point... Uh, I think the split is 80-20, right? Right now it's 70, it's about 75-25. So really? 75% of people in the fandom so far do think if it's an either-or situation, the Eldians need to go, which is incredible because, you know, that's those are our heroes. That's the characters we've been following. But yeah, 75%, lesser of two evils, is ending the Eldians. That's sad. <laughs> Why is it sad? It's all, I don't know, it's just either way, it's sad because nobody wins. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Terrible. I guess less people die if we go the route of destroying all the Eldians. But I hate it because it's kind of like, and this is what's sad about Zeke's mindset, is he's basically just given up. There's nothing we can do. The world's always going to hate us. So let them have their way and just we'll go. And it's not just Zeke with that mentality. It's Carl Fritz. It's the Tiger mm-hmm. family. It's Zeke. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everyone of, of the people who are in the know, of, of the characters in this story who actually kind of know the truth. 
So far, three of them think Eldians need to go. The only one we don't know about yet is Aaron Yeager. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have that, share that mindset. He was going to want his friends and the people he loves and, you know, his race to survive. I'm not sure if he's going to end up using the rumbling in the end or not, or if he still wants to. That's that's a big mystery. I can see him doing it, and I can see him not doing it. I've seen a lot of complaints about Dinah. People are just very disappointed that she just kind of seemed like a yes man. Yeah. I mean, they both believed in their goal. True. But I always think, like, people hold mothers to a higher standard. Have you ever heard this story? I did it in, like, um, a cultural differences class when I was living in Denmark. My teacher was from Romania, and he was telling this story about this girl who was separated from her lover, and she asked for help to cross the river to get to her lover. Anyway, like, bad things happened. Like, the girl did bad things, the lover did bad things, a friend did bad things, but she, she also went to ask her mother for help, and her mother was like, well, you have to make your own decisions on what is the best thing to do. And then we had to decide as a class who was the worst person in the story. And a lot of people said the mother was the worst person in the story. So there was cheating going on, murder. But the mother who didn't give the child any advice, she was the worst person, according to some. That really shocked me. But that's. But I think there was also people from like cultures where like the maternal figure is put in like a higher regard. Hmm. I've seen so much criticism for her and, and, and rightly so. I mean, but um, yeah, so much more. I think she disappointed people. People expected better of Dinah Yeager. I guess I expected her to be just like Grisha. So I wasn't too surprised. <laughs> I think she was better than him. When she was dying on the wall, it, it wasn't, you know, I can't believe we did this to Z. It was, I'll find you wherever you are, you know? Yeah, she, she very much was just devoted to Grisha and the ideals that they had and stuff. Granted, she is the one who kind of defended Zeke after the, the training session, but she was pretty much on board with everything. I, I don't think she was as bad as Grisha. I think out of the two, Grisha was definitely the worst. But I think we also, there was a lack of affection towards Zeke. The entire chapter, we never really saw her hug him or hold him. She did tell Grisha, like, when he was getting upset and angry with, with Zeke to, like, be like, he's just a boy, he's trying his hardest, we'll find some other way to do the plan. But I think that's as motherly as she gets in protecting him. Yep, it is. Yeah, the scene with the grandparents is such a contrast because the grandmother has her arm on him, she's touching him, she's, you know, comforting him. It's it's nice. I keep thinking that Zeke Zeke was loved. He had love. His childhood was horrible, but he had people who cared about him. And yeah, it sucks that his parents were who they were. But I think I think I mean my opinion is that Zeke is a psychopath. That there probably was maybe I mean you hate to put real world situations here, but you know what what made other characters stronger made him snap and he snapped. Yeah. I don't know. Is it understandable in a certain degree? I mean, he, his parents indoctrinated him. Then you had Tom Xaver, who was manipulating him. And then you had his grandparents, while loving and kind, indoctrinated him the other, from the other side. If anything, that made him more aware. He's one of the few characters in the story who kind of had a worldview, who saw both sides. In some ways, in a young mind, that would be hard, but... It's not entirely a disadvantage to know that the Kool-Aid Marley's feeding you is poison 
or that the Kool-Aid your parents feeding you is poison. I mean, Zeke did have a lot of people giving him a lot of different stories. Mm -hmm. Okay, his parents were awful, but then he has Tom Zaver say to him, you know, yeah, your parents suck. They, they never loved you. They're using you. That's what gave me, like, the grooming vibes. What grown man tells a young child, your parents never loved you? And that could have been one of the things that made Zeke kind of get into this mindset. Well, my parents didn't love me. And the rest of the world doesn't love me. So really all he had was his grandparents who showed him that love. But they've also got their their own issues. Yeah. Okay, monkey toy. What do you guys think? It can't be a coincidence, right? I'm not sure what to think. Me either. Also, the toy box, that's something from Aaron's dream, right? Um, the box with all the toys in it that was, like, scattered all over the floor. I heard that. Is there any confirmation that that's... Similar? I'm not sure. That's what I'm asking. Are we talking about the anime-only opening that shows the toys? I believe they are. I'd need to pull up a screenshot. But I, I, I remember recognizing them, and they're sitting all disoriented, like they are in Aaron's dream. I remember there's like a clown toy. I remember that being there. The only one that wasn't there was the the monkey toy. But they're true. Yeah. There was that little like ball hammer toy. Um, and some others. I can't. I don't have the picture in front of me, but I'm like 90% sure it's the same one from Aaron's Dream in episode one. So anime only Aaron's Dream. Yeah. Hmm. So this chapter really contains two nods to the anime. It has the toys and then it has the S2 ED panel. Oh, with the uh, Titans approaching the, the city from the water? Yeah. Huh. You know, say, I think Isayama has kind of started to intertwine his manga with some of the changes they made in the anime. I know that the the fight in the the fight in Stohas, all the changes there. I kind of see some similarities with that to like Aaron's mindset in Liberio, for example. So I think he's taken some inspiration from the anime or has communicated with them pretty early on about this stuff. Because I know people have written meta in the past about the toys in Aaron's dream, and I always dismissed them because it's anime only. But yeah, with Isayama, I don't guess you can necessarily do that. Anime only sometimes turns into surprise. It's in the manga now. Yeah, well, and he also retconned Armin's parents' backstory because originally they were sent out with everybody else for the, you know, little population control issue they had. But then later he wrote in the manga about the air balloon. Mm -hmm. Well, I can forgive little retcons like that because they don't, like, have a huge impact on the story. And I can also imagine those things aren't, like, completely thought out from the beginning. I think it's just something fun that he adds just because, you know, he he knows how seriously we take this. And it's it's probably fun for him, you know, when he had the chance to work in the history book and to include the uh, season two ED animation. It was probably his way of thanking them and also showing how much he enjoyed their work by incorporating it into his work. I don't think there's any deep meta meaning there. I don't think it was planned. I think it was just maybe more his chance to you know, acknowledge that and, and give them a little, a little extra attention. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps everything up concerning like Zeke's childhood and his not so master plan. (laughs) (laughs) So the discussion that kept the fandom going in circles, are Zeke and Levi alive or not? Zeke is definitely alive. He only got blown into two pieces. Yeah, we've seen. I mean, like only two. There, there were two. There was the bottom half and the top half. I saw lots of little pieces flying everywhere. 
little pieces, well. but two two big pieces. <laughs> <laughs> the key is one of those big pieces has his head and like spinal column mainly intact. Mm-hmm. So I think we're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for Levi, he's probably going to be fine, just injured. But I personally don't think he's going to be down a limb. I know that's the big question right now. Yeah, I think all his limbs are intact. Remember when we saw the cape back in Chapter 101 where they thought the cape was tattered? It's It looks to me like the same effect going on here where he's trying to show motion. I mean, looking at Zeke's hair, for instance, it's kind of got those same uh, lines, lines coming off his body. I, it's hard to say with Isayama's art style in this, if he's trying to hint that Levi's missing bits and pieces or if it's just a drawing style. I don't know. You're the artist, Cash. What do you think? I, I think it's it's for movement as well. I, I'm i not going to like totally rule out that he might have like lost like a right hand maybe. But to me, it looks like he's just trying to convey movement with like the speed lines and everything. I definitely don't think Levi's dead for sure. Something that the Japanese fandom noticed is that Levi is further away from the blast than Zeke is, even though Zeke is the one who had the thunder spear like pointing in his direction. And this is something that I mentioned too. Right before Zeke reacted, uh, Levi saw it coming. Levi had a few moments to prepare. So I do feel like it's likely that he jumped or somehow got himself out of the way before the blast, maybe buying himself a few extra seconds there. Oh yeah, I agree. Someone had pointed out they posted a picture of Mikasa and her reaction before the blast uh, when Zachary was blown up. Um, and they used the same Japanese text um, her over her and Levi. Um, he used the same Japanese text to indicate, I don't know, a shock or whatever they're sensing. So I'm guessing he tried to jump out of the way and probably didn't get the full brunt of the blast, but enough to send him off. Yeah, I think the blood that we see could also be Zeke's. I don't ne- necessarily think it's even his. On, on Levi? Yeah, I think I think it probably is some of his like there's no way with how explosive the Thunder Spears are that he didn't take some sort of damage. I mean, like the carts exploding, the shrapnel. Yeah. Well, maybe it's like all to the surface and not like deep internal damage. Right. I mean, I again, after all of this, I wouldn't be surprised if this does t- take Levi down as like a combatant. Like at this point now, he's unable to fight because of whatever injury he has because of this. And whether or not that's, it could be a lasting injury too, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to mean like he's lost his hand or something like that. Yeah, I don't find that satisfying at all. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree with Cash on this because Levi at this point, his power is so, it trumps everything, right? I mean, he's met Zeke several times. He's, he's defeated Zeke several times. This feeds into that whole argument, is Levi too OP? No, Levi is not too OP, but he is OP. You know, if he's forced into a secondary role just to see what happens with the other side, it might give a different chance of development. Maybe. I don't know. I'm struggling with this one. My question is if he's permanently out or can't fight or if he has to fight but can't fight nearly as good, what does it, what is it going to serve like the plot? What will it serve his character development? What would it serve other characters' developments? Like Mikasa would have to step up more. I think that would be good for her, though. She's starting to make that change. Like she's seeing it, the changes in Aaron and she's struggling with her own bond with him. I think it will make Mikasa stand up more as a character. I think it'll put a lot more into Aaron's hands too, because Levi's not there to, you know, pick up the pieces or, you know, beat him down if he's going the wrong way. It really puts a, a big focus on especially Aaron and Mikasa if he's not able to fight it. That's true. 
Yeah, that was my thinking too, but you said it better than I did, Cash. It gives the other characters a chance to have to step up. And with Levi in the battle, the playing field is not even. Levi wins. Is it really even though when they're against an entire nation-like army of people? If and when the Wall Titans are unleashed, nobody's going to win that one. That, that's how I feel too. I mean, like Aaron has the trump card right now if, if he can get to Zeke or a titanized Historia, I guess. But like I said, that's why it puts so much more on him. And I know Levi's a good fighter, but I mean, Levi's not going to do much by himself against, you know, like the armies of Marley and Eastern nations and all the other, all the other nations of the world that are all coming to invade. Like he's just one guy. There's going to be some, there's got to be something bigger overarching, but. Yeah, his role would be obviously keep Zeke in line and possibly a lot of us thought we would see him battle with Aaron. Mm-hmm. And in a one-on-one combat against Aaron, in a one-on-one fight against Zeke, I mean, Levi wins. I, I don't know about a one-on-one fight with Aaron. I think that would be as, I mean, that would be a lot of fun to see. If that's what this is preventing from happening, like an obvious win, then that would be interesting. I think something else that would be interesting from this is if Levi isn't able to fight, like instead of having like a physical confrontation with Aaron is if he needs to actually talk him down, which would be a change for how Levi normally has to approach conflicts. Like, cause I know he's a more violent character. And see, I've always been in the camp that a, an actual physical fight wouldn't break out between them, but that he would definitely confront him verbally. Mm-hmm. So I think either way that's bound to happen. I can accept if he has to step back to let the other sh- the other characters shine, but I guess it kind of it, it'd be disappointing for me to have like your main action guy out of the the final climactic battle. But I, I get where you guys are coming yeah. from. I mean, we do have really cool Aaron powers now. He's got like <laughs> three of them. This is true. I, I really can't wait to see the Warhammer Titan in action. Right. <laughs> I think it's also the fan favorite, the Warhammer Titan. So I think most people are <laughs> looking forward to seeing uh, Aaron use it. Because Warhammer Titan is apparently the best Titan. It's the coolest. <laughs> it's the last one and it's the coolest. The real reason uh, Zeke is suicidal, he did not get the best Titan. The best oh. Titan, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that typo. Of all the typos this month, that oh, one was, yeah. I will inherit the best Titan. Poor Zeke. He didn't even get the best Titan. He got the stupid monkey Titan. Let's see, in what place is the beast Titan even? That's right, because I mean, you turned the typo into a poll question. What happened yeah, with that one? Yeah, of course, car, the the car titan is dead last. Oh, poor Peak. Uh, let's see. And then Jaws is second to last. What? <laughs> I take offense. I like the jaw titan. Okay. <laughs> he looks so cool. Third to last is the colossal. Poor Bert. He's so iconic, but he's like, he only has 4.8% of the vote. And then with 4.9 is the Beast Titan. I'm, I'm surprised that he's not below, like, the Colossal, at least. And then Warhammer's at the top, right? Yeah. Of course. Like, Eren has all the coolest Titans, because the Warhammer is in the first place, second place is the Founding Titan, and third is the Attack Titan. So Eren is, like, super cool. Triple cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Heidi, you're the Aaron guy here. Do you think he'll get the cool executioner's mask? I think he will still look the same. Um, I kind of don't want his appearance to change, to be honest. But I, I don't think he'll... It seems like it's kind of like you have a primary titan, and those are the traits that you pick up on. And 
I don't know. It's possible he could get that executioner mask look, but I, I'd prefer if he just stayed the same, honestly. I'm kind of curious, though, because, I mean, Reiner had, like, the other Titan form. It'd be interesting to see if something like that does end up happening. Yeah. We have so many incarnations of Aaron. There's Hopo Aaron, Man Bun Aaron, <laughs> and now we'll end up with all different incarnations of his Titan form. Okay. Chapter predictions, guys. What are you expecting, hoping, dreaming about next chapter? Cash, what about you? You know what I'm hoping for next chapter. Well, go ahead and say it. <laughs> no, I, I would really, really, really love to see what the Warriors are up to, obviously. But I would like to see as well, like, the outcome of this explosion. And then I also really want to see what's going on with Aaron. Like, he's such a big question mark for me right now. I want to see them, like, arriving at Shiganshina. I'd like to see what all the other characters are doing. Was it, This was the end of the volume, right? This chapter? Correct. So the next one will be maybe more exposition or something setting up for this final final battle. Yeah, I, I'll still hold on hope. I want to see the Warriors, okay. at least for like a panel or two. Please and thanks. What about you, Heidi? I don't know. I don't know about pred predictions at all. I'm going to totally agonize if we don't get to see the outcome of the explosion. Because I don't want to be hanging on Levi's fate for like two or three chapters. At all. <laughs> Knowing Mishiyama, he probably will. Oh, I'll be so mad. But <laughs> um, I I do agree it's probably going to be an expositional chapter. But I am hoping that we can at least get a glimpse of the Survey Corps since they're still hanging out in a cell. And uh, I really want to know what Mikasa is thinking. So that's that's a big one for me. And then, of course, Aaron's point of view. But I am not I'm not getting my hopes up for it. <laughs> It would just be nice to see what else he's doing. Like, Yeah, that would be cool to see where he's heading or if he's, if he's left. Or... Well, we know what he's doing. He's lounging casually without his shirt on. True Jaeger style. I need him to stop doing that. <laughs> yes, I need him to stop doing that too. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Luna? What are you hoping for? I'm hoping the next chapter will open with Aaron and Gabby having tea next to the lake in Chiganshina. I just want to see them interacting together. I want to see them interact too. And I hope she has like her old hairstyle back, you know, also the bun. That would just make it funnier for me. But <laughs> Same hairstyle. I'm not saying it. Yeah. You're not going to trap me into saying it. So they can be twinsies. No. Don't say it. <laughs> By the way, if, um, if Levi is missing his right arm, he can be twinsies with Aaron. So Yeah, he and Aaron get, Irwin, listen to me talking like you. <laughs> yeah, he and Erwin get matching scars. I don't think Isayama's going to do it. There's no, I mean, why have two characters lose their arms? I don't know. Yeah. It's repetitive and boring, in my opinion. He clearly has both of his legs, so that's out of the yeah. question. And it's also a matter of perspective. I, I mean, he could have all of his limbs intact easily. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a facial injury or something, but not his eye, because that would be repetitive. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. Burns? Scars? Mm -hmm. I could yep. go for it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted eye patch Hanji, and I got that. Now I want, like, I guess I've read too many fan fictions where Levi's, like, disfigured or burned, or I would, could, go, go, could go for that. That would work for me. You like the Prince Zuko version of, like, Levi? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Scars do not harm someone's appearance. They are, you know, they work. I think in, if it's drawn, yeah, it, it's never ugly, right? It's never off-putting. 
Well, I always love how Levi looks with blood all over his face, like when he's attacking and he's like covered in, in Titan viscera and, you know, he's got that look. So I would imagine if he's been, yeah, I'm going to stop talking about this now, actually. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Yeah. You know, time skip Levi, we didn't, I wanted the ponytail. I wanted the time skip Levi. We were <laughs> expecting a change in character design. And it made perfect sense that Levi looks exactly the same because that's just Levi. So if he's forced to change how he looks, I think I would be okay with it. Well, either way, if he's injured and he has to sit out, I think it's a better way to handle it like this than as opposed to the end of um, the female Titan arc and the. Um, he like hurts his leg. Castle. Yeah. Like, oh, my ankle hurts. I can't do anything now, even though I'm super OP. Hmm. Like, I get that he had to sit out of the story, but the, how Isayama handled that was not great. Yeah, it was bad. So, he just, yeah, he just became like an accessory or he just, just stood there the whole time. It was almost like reinserting Sasha into the story when she, after chapter 36 in the anime, just to kind of give her put her in there as a body. It just didn't yeah. work for me. I mean, it would have been better if he had been sent off like to a mission in the, I don't know, North or wherever. Like if he had to be in another location physically and he couldn't participate because something else was going on plot wise. Well, the injury kind of adds to Mikasa's development too, though, because she had to take on more of a role in Stoas with his absence. No, no, I understand that he had to be absent. I'm just saying the reason why was kind of yeah. I'll say for Mikasa, though, she kind of had to deal with that mental consequence of, wow, I'm the reason this, that our strongest soldier is hurt. That's on me. It, it adds to her development, even though the anime kind of robbed it from her. But she has a moment where she reflects on that in the manga. I agree. It didn't necessarily have to happen. Had to be an injury that was like minor enough to keep him from being completely crippled. Yeah. But also... <laughs> Major enough that he couldn't participate in the fights. Brain angle. Done. <laughs> I do have to love how conveniently Isayama drew the river in that panel and Levi heading directly for the river. Like, there's no question that he's going to land in that river. Yeah. Who's going to find him? That's more interesting, I think. Ooh. I'm interested in that, too. And the water's moving very fast. Yeah. Well, the question is, is it a river that originates from the mountains and goes towards the sea? Or is it a river that originates from the sea? And streams inwards. Does that happen? Where's the upstream? That's what I or, or downstream. <laughs> that's what I want to know. It <laughs> works. Oh, well, we know there's a river that goes through Shiganshina, so that's a possibility. It would help if we knew where they were heading, which apparently we'll never know. <laughs> Don't you hate it? All of our theories. The big theory last month: Where is Levi going? Where is he taking him? Guess what? That didn't matter. <laughs> I mean, they could still be close. And right. now Zeke would have free reign with Historia, maybe. Yeah, that's the theory I like the most, is that he was taking Zeke to Historia to be like, all right, we're doing this, sorry. Yeah, I was totally ready for that one, too. I mean, I love the, the Ragako theory, but I like the Historia one even better. Well, he did say he was going to end up in a stinky mouth of a titan, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that makes me believe that Connie's mom is still around. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Because what other titan do they have left? Heidi, have you not heard the Ragako theory? I guess I haven't. I didn't see that one. Okay. It was the theory that Levi was taking Zeke to Ragako to feed him to Connie's mom as oh, a temporary yeah, stopgap measure. That. Yeah, it was kind of cool. That, yeah, that's kind of cool. I, um, 
the Titan thing, he, he might have been intending still to just find a random Jaegerist to feed him to also. But going to Historia's farm could have been interesting development. Guess we'll never find out. Nope. <laughs> Guess not, guys. It wasn't important. Sorry. One whole month of thinking about this. And guess what? We have too much time to think about these chapters, y'all. Okay, did we have anything else about the chapter we want to discuss? I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi, which part of the chapter broke you? I mean, all of it. But <laughs> I just, I don't know. It was just seeing Zeke's childhood made me really sad. And the idea that everybody uses him, that made me sad. But yeah, also just like with Levi's condition hanging in the air. And I'm very attached to him as a character. So I'm attached to Levi too, but I am not worried at all. Like I'm negative percent worried. I, I'm, I'm not worried about him either. It's just where is he going to go? Who is he going to end up with? And what kind of interactions is he going to have from now on? And that's kind of what I'm agonizing over. But I think most of what made the, me sad in the chapter definitely revolved around Zeke and how I feel about him as a character. What about you, Cash? Like a part of the chapter that hit me? Yeah, what was your favorite part or that got you? What what in the chapter affected you most? I mean, there's that one scene after Zeke's been kicked out and after like Grisha and Dina pretty much confront him in the hallway and say, you can do this, you're our child, we know we can count on you, and he goes back. I just, I feel he's got so much strength to do that. And then as he's running, he's in last place, he turns, sees his parents, who just like, look terrified and then look away from him. It's just so sad. You can tell he's trying his hardest to please them, and nothing he does is enough. That was really sad for me. The scene with him crying in bed is mm -hmm. really heartbreaking. Yeah, Luna insisted we add that one into the poll. I had deleted it, and uh, she put it back in. Yeah, that's what my choice for, like, the most memorable, but also the most gut-wrenching part of this chapter. So there's nothing worse than overhearing your parents talking about you, fighting about you, and especially when you've disappointed them. Well, that wraps up our manga discussion. After our break, we'll be back and we'll be discussing some news that we got at the beginning of February and also some questions you sent in for our two guests. See you in a short while. Welcome back. Let's start with the trailer that dropped on the 2nd of February, my birthday. I was very, very happy with my birthday gift because I finally got to see Reiner again. How did you guys enjoy the trailer? Heidi? I was screaming. It was the first thing I saw when I woke up that there was a new trailer and I, um, I was so excited, especially because of the music and I'm a huge Sawano fanatic. So um, hearing a new version of the Attack on Titan theme song playing in it, um, with that high note hitting while Aaron's going over the wall, I was just, I was in heaven. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it sounded really, really good. I don't think I even noticed that it was a a new version, a mm -hmm. new rendition. But Same. yeah, the much more hardcore version. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Cash? I loved it. I'm so excited. This next arc's one of my favorites. So, and I think that's true for a lot of people that are into the manga. So 
I'm looking forward to it so much. And the animation looks incredible so far. It does. It To me, it reminded me more of the season one and two animation than the first part of season three. But maybe it's just me. It didn't remind me of season one so much because they use those really thick lines. But it did look a lot like the season two, I think. And I, I liked the animation during season two for the most part. I mean, there were some iffy parts, but for the most part, it looked really yeah. good. The setting has the same feel as uh, it did with the Reiner and Bertolt reveal in episode six yeah. of season two. Yeah, that overcast. For some reason, I always imagined all of this happening at sunset, but I, I kind of forget that this arc starts at dawn, and I'm wondering, how, like, how as, like, the day progresses, you know, as the art goes on, how the, the art style will progress, and the, I mean, like, the, the color theme and everything. Yeah, well, we can see by by Serum Bowl, it's, it's like, the orangish-yellowy kind of mm-hmm. green sky look to it, so. Yeah, from sun, sunset, or, uh, sunrise to sundown. Yep. Oh, I'm so hype. The one part of the trailer that I couldn't help just, like, chuckle at was Levi, like, riding on top of the horse. Just... <laughs> I immediately what? knew that it was a change from the manga just to make him look more cool, but it just made him look so ridiculous, in my opinion. I, I think when, it, like, Heidi, you were saying a little earlier, once, um, once it's actually, we see it in the episode, and it's not just, like, isolated by itself in the trailer, I'm sure it will look fine. It'll look different. It's probably, he's getting on top of the horse, because you can see the other Serpe Corps members doing it around him, and then he's probably just on it briefly before he shoots off, but mm-hmm. it looks funny in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting clip to choose. Yes, I've seen lots of fan art of, like, him slipping off of it or, or something, <laughs> so it's been fun. I also thought he looked a little bit like scrawny compared to like the earlier season, which kind of added to him looking a little bit weird. He looked a little thin, but I'm guessing it's just because it's an action shot. Because when you pan out, they look thinner. We'll see. I hope it will we'll look see. better in we'll the see. episode. <laughs> yeah, they have time still. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't the reason why it's coming out in April because they had production delays? I think so, and I also heard that they um, hired. Um, the team from season two back i think i heard something like that too so i don't know were they like not pleased with the work that they that the team did on season three or couldn't they keep the staff on for part two of season three i don't know i know animation stuff in japan is a disaster right now so Mm -hmm. yeah Production schedules can be really difficult to keep up with and then there's just like this Mm -hmm. going of all these different animators um if things get behind it it's just hard to catch up so i mean i can see why they waited I, we didn't want something like at the end of season two where we ended up with like a bunch of cgi horses and <laughs> the derp horse stuff like yeah. that i mean there was definitely some good animation in those last few episodes but you could tell that by that point they had really been struggling so i'd, I'd much rather they took this break and now we're gonna have much more consistent animation and like the the, the parts that are in the trailer i mean yeah, Levi on top of the horse is a little funky, but like Aaron jumping over the wall, all the close-ups of the characters, Reiner getting slashed, it looks like it looks so incredible. It really does. I'm really looking forward to it. Although I did like um the character design of uh, season 3 part 1 a little bit better. I'm excited for the action scenes cuz when he's like sliding underneath that gate with his 3DM gear, it looks so good. That's something that I really missed about season two, though. Like, I thought the 3DM gear 
animation was a little bit lacking, especially when at the end when Historia did her spin compared to season one. I think that's why the Trost arc is still one of my favorite arcs, just because it looks so spectacular and something that translates to the small screen far better than in the manga. I felt like season one had this like weightiness to it. Like I, it has all those thicker lines and it definitely had production issues. Like going back and watching it compared to season two, yeah. like you can really see where they struggled. But I agree with you that some of the action shots during Trost did look better like than Historia's like flippy thing at the end of season two. It, it, it just had this weight to it that made it feel like, yes, this is incredible, but also like you can really tell like how hard the character's working to like make make these maneuvers. I'm sure we'll see that more in the the second part of season three here too, because there's a lot of 3D maneuver gear. I mean, we can already see it too. Like, I feel like um, like there are parts that we've seen that exemplify that. Like, Aaron going over the wall just looks incredible. It's probably one of the best animated parts of the series so far. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can imagine. There's so many cool parts coming up. Heidi, is this is this like one of your favorite parts of the manga as well? I used to really dislike it, actually, but that's when it was um, currently, you know, still publishing and I thought it was going really slow. Um, I have this issue with every arc, so it's whatever. But uh, I went back and reread it recently and it's actually I would I would easily put it in my top three. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think just with it coming out monthly, it makes it a struggle. And especially with an arc like this, where like every single chapter, there's something that like one of your favorite characters is in dire danger. You have no idea yeah. if they're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot month. of cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. The monthly releases in general just make it hard. I, I had this issue with the Marley arc also, but going back and rereading that, I feel a lot better about it too. Um, so, And I'm sure I will with this current arc because I also feel like this one's going too slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I am looking forward to Return to Shiganshia. It's got a lot of action and we didn't get a lot of that with the Uprising. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some of that kind of come back again. Yeah, it will be good. Because for me, I kind of suffered through Uprising to get to return to Shiganshina because it's my least favorite arc. Same. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. We didn't get to see any of um, of the other titans in the in the trailer, though. We didn't get to see Bertolt as a colossal titan. We didn't get yeah, to see I'm, Peak in our card form. I'm guessing that they only use the animation for maybe the first one or two episodes. Um, cause they probably don't have it animated out too far yet. So that's probably why we didn't get to see Bertolt or a uh, peak. I think they might even hold back on Bert too, when it comes to some of the, the promotional material, like before the series comes out, because I mean, his appearance during the actual fight is kind of a surprise to everyone. Like at that point, all we've seen is Reiner. And then I think what the beast Titan shows up with all the other Titans. I, I gotta remember like the series of events, but yeah, we mainly see just the beast Titan throwing stuff. You got Rainer, um, and then the beast Titan, you know, transforms mm-hmm. the Eldians that are with him into Titans, and then eventually he throws the the barrel with Bertolt in it, and and there he is. <laughs> Sorry, this is. <laughs> This is the arc that I like really started to like Reiner and Bert as characters. Like probably when everyone else started to hate them, I really started to like them. So I'm hoping that like season two, this gives folks more of an insight into their characters as well that are like anime only. So it'll be interesting to see like the reactions on Reddit and on Tumblr and everything. I'm curious how it will play out because I remembered the Utgard arc. I really disliked that when I first read it. But then I saw it animated and I loved it. And I also loved Ymir after that. So I think some things are just better when they're animated and you have the voice acting and all the emotion 
that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so much clearer because you really have do have to focus. It's not like the manga where you can just like honestly you can speed read and like miss a panel or something yeah. if you're like going through. True. What are you most excited for in the upcoming arc? Go ahead, Cash. Honestly, like any of the scenes with Reiner, um, I love the scene where they're on top of the wall uh, drinking coffee with Zeke. His conversation with Bert there is like one of my favorites. And I like all the um, the characterization Bert goes through in this arc. But like, honestly, like seeing Reiner get like the crap beat out of him. I love him so much, but it's also really cool. <laughs> I'm really, really dreading the part where he's growing his face back. I really don't want to see that end. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't this like transformation animation look really cool in the trailer? It does. But I'm gonna fast forward through that part I just mentioned. I don't want to see that with like the sound effects and everything. I'm good. The uh, Mars attacks alien face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm most looking forward to the um, the basement reveal because that's what really sold me on the manga, actually. Oh, I'm super looking forward to the the basement, the ocean. Mm -hmm that stuff Sarah Bowl really I really disliked it how that all played out so I was like the basement reveal better be good otherwise I'm dropping this series <laughs> but luckily it turned out to be really really good I'm actually really looking forward to the Serum Bowl I've grown to love that chapter a lot I've probably read it more than any other chapter because the conflict in it's very I don't know it seemed really dramatic to me at first but after like seeing where the story has gone since then and all the thematic importance to that scene and i'm really looking forward to seeing how the anime team handles it the little previews that we got at the end of season the, the first part of season three like it's going to be intense mm -hmm. i'm really glad that they ended up showing that during the ending because otherwise this wait would have been unbearable no it's a good way to keep people who haven't read the manga strung along too because they need to know what happens next mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah what what's causing this and, and i think they're going to be able to do to give it that like the the heavy the heaviness that that scene deserves. That part was really difficult for me because I, I just gotten into the fandom and um, obviously Bert gets just decimated. So he was yeah. my, he was like my favorite character and then he just gets eaten. But I I just I just hope that they handle it a little bit better. Yeah, I don't think Asayama handled it the best way. It was very painful. I mean, it was a painful time for for everybody like through that. Like it was there was a lot of strong emotions. Oh yeah, it tore it tore the fandom to pieces for a while. <laughs> I missed all of that. I joined right after that. So You're very <laughs> lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the trailer was the only news that we really were excited to discuss. So I want to move on towards the questions we got from our listeners for, for two guests. But in the meantime, some things have happened. Uh, it's two days later <laughs> now that we're back. Mom has joined us again. She went missing for the trailer discussion. I missed Where it. did you go? <laughs> this entire podcast, I think we need to come clean about what a disaster this particular podcast has been. We started out an hour late because of your microphone, because you got too aggressive playing Kingdom Hearts <laughs> and trashed your new microphone. Um, what happened next? Cash lost power. Yes. Heidi's laptop died. And then um, because we were pushed back so late, I had to leave. And now we're recording today to finish things off. And I literally have to be in my car in, you know, an hour 
to head to Washington, D.C. for KatsuCon uh, to pick up a friend from the airport. So everything has just been like chaos. Yeah, it certainly has been. And I uh, actually posted a tweet <laughs> to ask uh, if the podcast was cursed, if you were cursed, or if I am cursed. The results are that with 19% of the votes each, you and I are cursed. 25% of all respondents said the podcast was cursed, and the majority of the votes for with 37% said everything's cursed. You, me, the podcast. The only evidence I can give to counter that is that last month when it was just me, Puppet, and Reiko, things went flawlessly. So okay. just, but, just keep but that in mind, Luna. You know that things don't always work out well for Reiko and Puppet. So I think you kind of <laughs> negated each other's curse somehow. <laughs> we Yeah, two negative curses equal a positive. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Anyway, we really appreciate this month, Cash and Heidi putting up with four different yeah. recording sessions now <laughs> and all the absolute chaos that went into it. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for putting up with us. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. We did it. Well, Yay. not yet. We still have, we still have to get through <laughs> the guest questions. <laughs> so <laughs> don't curse it, Cash. Well, okay. I'm not saying anything. So let's start with the first question we got. Um, this one was from Puppet. And he asks if we have a favorite poll question from the past, or maybe the most surprising result from a specific question. Cash, what was your favorite poll question you've done so far? I hear the laughter in your voice because I know <laughs> my answer. I do. Um, what what chapter was that? That was chapter ninety nine. I think it was ninety nine. We did a question because I <laughs> love Reiner and. It was like, which face of Reiner's is the most attractive? And then we just included the one of him like bent over with his butt in the air. And I was <laughs> dying. It was so stupid and so funny. That's my favorite question. That was hilarious. Well, that was my favorite too. I think it was just me. It was just you and me. working on the poll back then. And we laughed so much about that. And we really stressed about it. Like we went into various discords and we're like, do we do this? Like we were nervous. Is this too much? That that absolutely is my favorite question as well. Not only because it was just so funny, and your reaction, Cash, you just just I think that's the first time I've seen you get really excited about a question. Oh man, it was ultra ridiculous, and so it was just too much fun. It makes me laugh thinking about it. Do you remember which Reiner ended up being I the do. one that was chosen? I do. Of it course, was, you do. It was Reiner. <laughs> it was the little flashback scene where it's like. Aaron menacingly following them in the background and Reiner with the four kids. Oh, that's right. That's a good, that's a good panel. I remember too, what was so fun about that one was, uh, I think you, you showed six Reiners for people to choose from and like debating which of the six Reiners, like just trying to come up with the most handsome Reiner in the series. It was a lot of fun. I like that question. And then I, uh, what was the other one? There was another one where we asked where it was like mm, something about like, opinion on the poll or something and then like the like final one was one poll maker who's too obsessed with reiner i'm like okay valid that's me <laughs> i can't remember what question it was though I, it, I think it was around that same amount of time i went a little crazy and i apologize to everyone who got annoyed by that originally the poll was just me and it was just because i was curious but when the marley arc started i, I was not on board with the marley i wasn't into it back then i am into it now i love these guys now but i just think the poll would have been so boring if we hadn't had somebody just absolutely gaga over 
the Marley characters. And there we are. Yep, worked out. It did, it did. So what about you, Heidi? My favorite poll question? I don't know. It's hard. Because I, uh, I, I was thinking about it, and uh, I'm trying to remember what stood out the most to me as far as what, I guess, entertained me the most. Um, I, I always like it when we do the Kodansha typos. Yeah. Those are, really fun. those are always great. The first one that we did when they had, like, tea diplomacy and kept <laughs> repeating the phrases over and over in different word bubbles. Th- those were my favorite. I also remember having a lot of fun with the, uh, I think it was Aaron and Reiner, and we asked uh, who did it better, Aaron's oh. uh, Baby Got Back or Reiner's Chocolate Bar abs. Oh, my God. And that one, that one cracked me up a lot. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I like that Puppa asked this question, probably looking for something like a serious response. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no the, serious. No, the funniest questions are the, they're like the, definitely the most entertaining for us. All right, Luna, how about you? I don't know if I have a favorite question. I always like it the most when people like the blurbs that I write for the results and I see them posted in the Reddit threads. Like um, the question where we asked where uh, Gabby and Falco were going. And then one of the options was to Historia's farm. And I wrote a blurb that said that she would end up with two more unwanted children. (laughs) (laughs) People seem to like that. So then if people think it's funny, then I'm happy. I appreciate you not mentioning the... um... One that you wrote that I accidentally deleted that you think that I sabotaged mm. deliberately. <laughs> because we stayed up until like three in the morning discussing it. And then I woke up and the poll was done and everything was gone. How am I supposed to take that? I know. I know. Maybe you and I are cursed. Maybe there's something to it. <laughs> I'm going to start looking at our every interaction trying to decide. Our, yeah, our upcoming trip to New York together is going to be, that'll be the telltale. Yeah, if if, if our know. planes don't crash, then we're good. Exactly. <laughs> the second part of his question, if there was the most, uh, if you were surprised by a result from a specific question, for me, the only one that really surprised me was the chapter that was called counterfeit in English, but should have been called like liar, just saying, where we asked if Armin was lying to Hitch about, you know, what he was doing with Ani. And I was surprised that people thought that Armin was genuine. Like, no, no, I'm just here checking on her. I'm not creeping at all. Like, for a chapter called Liar, I thought it was very obvious he was lying. But apparently I was the only one. And I also wrote a blurb about that, but you guys deleted it. So. Wait, how did I? What do you mean we deleted it? There was a blurb where I mentioned, how do you guys think he's lying in a chapter called Liar? And one of you guys deleted it. Which is probably for the best, because I don't want to set, you know, like half the fandom off. <laughs> Did you write that in a comment? No, in a blurb. That was parentheses. Oh. I remember I remember seeing oh. I didn't delete it though. Wasn't I didn't it's delete very it quiet right now, so I don't it know. It must have been Heidi. <laughs> I, d- I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. So we didn't stay up uh, until three in the morning arguing about it, so it's fine, don't worry. <laughs> I think we should mention too the poll process because anyone who takes this seriously has just seems to take one look at our Word document. I mean, we open up a joint Word document in Google Drive and we all just start typing. And sometimes we, you know, start deleting each other's stuff and screaming at each other and <laughs> um, calling each other out on stuff. And it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I know this is our last month with Luna. And I just want to thank you for the last, what, nine months have you been working on it? Yeah, nine or 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to miss you. Aw. 
I'm gonna miss you guys too. It was a lot of fun. I don't know how long this manga is gonna continue, so maybe once I'm done with everything, you know, in real life, I can come back. But we'll see. At least you have two people extra. So that's good. Yeah, well, we brought on three new. We brought on Reiku and Puppet, yeah. both of whom I know really well. Reiku does the character polls, and Puppet is active on Reddit. And he's he's kind of been working on the polls behind the scenes. He's always proofing for me and giving suggestions. And I've, I've kind of leaned on him to get that Reddit perspective. So I'm super happy he's joining us. And then Monet's joined us, which is a friend of Heidi's. And I'm looking forward to working with her as well. So the more, the better. And Monet also works on the episode polls. Yeah, she, she's helped me with those in the past. So, Do you want to give us some inside scoop on your episode polls, which will be starting back up again soon? Honestly, the process is no different than when we do the manga, manga polls. But um, the episode drops and then I'll open a Word doc and we kind of scurry to think of creative questions or whatever and scream at each other like we do in the manga poll. <laughs> <laughs> And then we try to get it up. I think we were trying to get them up on Mondays originally, but that was causing us a bit of stress because we couldn't think of stuff fast enough. So we pushed it to Tuesdays. Um, then we would close it on Fridays and post it on Saturday or attempt to have it up by the time the next episode aired anyway. So we might smooth out the process a little more once the anime starts back up, but we'll see what happens. How many people are working on the episode polls? Uh, I believe I roped in like four four people with me since it's something that's a little more pressing on time I thought it would be good to have more bodies doing it I say roped in because really it was me being impulsive saying I want to do this you guys should do this with me and I just kind (laughs) of drag them into it with me it's a lot of work though I I don't think people understand how much time we put into these and have that fast of a turnaround is just that's incredible oh yeah I uh when part one was airing I pretty much my Saturdays if I wasn't working was consumed with getting the graphs ready and all that stuff so it's a bit of work (laughs) I think that's something that I really underestimated as well you mean even with the monthly poll yeah yeah because I thought okay I know it's it's it takes some time but I yeah even the first time I did it I was oh wow this takes a lot more time than I originally thought just reading everyone's comments and you know, making sure all the good stuff gets included. The document that we generate with all the write-ins and when whatever we include where people can write in other or additional comments is oftentimes 60 pages. So I think we average probably 40 to 60 pages each time we do a poll of comments that we need to go through. And a lot of those are repetitive, but reading through them all and trying to match them up with various questions. And, you know, we want to include people's viewpoints, but, you know, also try to keep it something positive. And a lot of times the debate of whether or not a comment, while valid, is too contentious or is going to stir trouble, it's hard making those judgment calls every month. Sometimes the controversial comments are the fun ones, though. <laughs> and and I do think it's important that we, like, because there is such a, like, wide variety of responses. Like, we do try and choose, like, at least when I'm doing my questions, I choose responses that are like pro the question or against the question or just like giving a different opinion on the subject. Well, I was thinking more about like the angry ones. We get oh, yeah. a lot the of angry comments ones. that are yeah, yeah, really yeah. angry about the direction of the story, angry at characters. They're all always characters that we don't like or that um, we feel strongly about. You know, how much of that to introduce? That's always hard for me. Same. Yeah, because you want to represent like the fandom's opinion. But, you know, you don't, also don't want to throw, like, oil on the fire. So Exactly. Sometimes it can be tough. 
usually the if you want your comments to be included, just tone it down. <laughs> re, you know, limit the profanity, and then I'd say you'd have a good chance of seeing your comments in the results. I have a I have a question for you guys. In the chapter 108 poll, we included the panel of Reiner pounding the table. <laughs> uh -huh. And oh, the question uh -huh. was, what is your reaction to this panel? And the choices uh -huh. were, please leave Paradise alone, Reiner. You've done enough damage. Go save the kids before Gabby kills someone. Bring me a picture of the usurper. That was Puppet's <laughs> edition, by the way. And the last one was, pound me like you're pounding that table. Who's responsible <laughs> for that last one? Oh, uh I'm responsible like for all of that except for the usurper. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you calling me out like this? I'm just checking. Just checking. What am I supposed to do without you? How are we how are we gonna make these polls so pro Reiner when you leave? You have to pick up the slack. <laughs> okay, we need to we need to take a bet right here and right now. When Reiner is back in the story, who wants to who wants to bet, bet that Luna's back in the poll team? Uh, I will bet. A hundred dollars. How much fake? How much real fake money are we going to bet on this? A hundred shingeki bucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm going to rope you into it. I'm going to ask you regardless. Guess I need to take a break from all social media when that happens. <laughs> shall we move on to the next question before more dirt gets <laughs> brought up? <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> oh, can't stop laughing at. Same. <laughs> I need to calm down a little. <laughs> I also really enjoyed um, the Aaron question. I don't remember when it was. You know, we asked his motivations, and the last one was, who cares? He's hot. And 30% chose that option. I mean, valid. Valid? Yeah. <laughs> it's valid. It's very valid. <laughs> I mean, I cannot. I cannot. That's like as positive as I will get about time skip, Aaron. Like, okay. at least he's hot. I'm glad I don't find Zeke hot. If I found Zeke hot, I would have this. <laughs> it'd be so much harder. My stance would be so much more complicated. <laughs> Shall we go on to the next question? Yeah. So we got an uh, anonymous question asking um, you and I what we majored in college. Mom, did you go to college? <laughs> I, I didn't. I did not. I am completely uneducated. But I am curious about your background. My background. Well, I did a bachelor's in international business, and I'm doing a master's in international business and management, and also in marketing management. And I've had, I have tried some other studies throughout the years. I've studied medicine for a while. I studied Italian for a while. So, I've done some things. <laughs> what about you guys? Did you guys want to chime in on this one, Heidi and Cash? Um, I been to college, but I have no degree because I switched majors like three or four times and decided I was tired of wasting my money on it. So maybe I'll go back. Maybe I won't. I'm content with where I work. And for me, I got my associate's degree in nursing and then I went back for my bachelor's and probably going back for a master's at some point or a doctorate, depending on what I want to do. Wow. I have a high school diploma. <laughs> it's okay. You and me both, mom. <laughs> it's all good. You had to start small. I had to get my associates first, and then I worked while I did my bachelor's. So I'm like Heidi. I'm happy where I ended up. You know, it, it all worked out in the end, and my career path was a little circuitous, circuitous, but I ended up where I needed to be. So it, I would like to go back to school someday. I would love to take some writing classes and just reminders about English, like 
someone please tell me how punctuation works because <laughs> I suck at it. I want you to take some math classes. Oh, and math. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, mm. you wishing me like a happy new year two years early, even though the time difference is always <laughs> six hours. I don't know how that happens. Well, how does that know. I don't know. I promise. I am like, yeah. <laughs> I will figure out six hour time difference. Good. <laughs> I will figure it out. This this is not, I'm just going to get like, I'm going to put your time zone in my phone so I can just double check oh, every good. time. And eventually I'll understand what six hours is. <laughs> And then time change will happen and it'll blow me away. Yeah. Finally, we had Vayer submit a question to us, which unsurprisingly starts out with, where are Reiner's abs and ass? Why do I have to look at flying monkey asses? We could probably stop there for a minute. <laughs> she goes on to say, okay, but for real, how do you feel about Dinah? Grisha was the one who always put pressure on Zeke, but Dinah hardly ever defended her own kid. She silently let her husband destroy their child for a dream of their possible future. Heidi K, but she really feels flat as a character, which is disappointing. Also, Luna, do not hide this time. <laughs> so if you all would like to address the lack of abs in this, I mean, you're welcome to vent and complain about it. You got Kid Reiner. Yeah, a baby Reiner, one panel. I mean... I'm not going to lie, Isayama's man service has been pretty high as of late on the Aaron side. And like one of our last appearances of Reiner was like just shirtless. I can't complain too much. He just needs to be back in the story. How many Reiner abs have we seen now? Many. <laughs> so many. <laughs> not as many as Aaron. Okay, I was wondering, what's the ratio of Aaron abs to Reiner abs? Well, I mean, Aaron. Aaron's Heidi like probably knows. We can duke it out. Uh, <laughs> how many panels, Heidi? Come on. Oh, <laughs> I don't think there's that many. He keeps losing his shirt. He there's... does, and I'm not complaining for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but then for like Reiner, there's that one official art of him that keeps put, getting put on merchandise. Oh my god! That's... Oh, with the shredded shirt. <laughs> yeah, where he's screaming. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that one. I have that on a little card. They have little like uh, game cards or whatever, and I have that. I have that one. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I have a pair of pants with it. I have a a mug <laughs> from Hot Topic with it. But why? Why that one picture? It keeps coming up. It's a curse. Did you say you have <laughs> a pair of pants with it? Yeah, I have pajama pants from Hot Topic that have that picture of Reiner on them. Oh my god, they're Reiner <laughs> pants. Okay. I think I meant to buy some and send them to Luna, actually. Hmm? I should buy some and send them to you. No, I don't want the ugly yeah. Reiner. Don't say he's ugly. <laughs> it's a really bad picture. It's a really bad picture. But I feel like that offsets some of the Aaron abs. <laughs> I say if we if we count if we count the uprising, he's his he's, he's they do it a lot. He he's drawn his abs a lot. <laughs> I was very happy with the enemy. <laughs> Well, uh, Uprising was so interesting to me because Aaron says nothing. The whole, I mean, until the very end, he's bound and gagged for the entire arc, but he's topless. And I wondered if like people who really love Aaron, if that was okay, like, did that make it, up for it? It's like a, it's like a mixture between someone please save my son and also redacted. I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> he's spicy for podcast. <laughs> 
the second part of the question was about Dinah, how we feel about her. And I agree with Veyer that she kind of fell flat as a character to me. And I know a lot of people expressed disappointment about that. And I know we discussed it previously, but I, I sort of agree. Her her focus was Grisha. That's who she loved. That's I mean, I'm sure she loved her child as well, but uh, not much of not much of an example there as far as mothers. She was more interesting as a smiling titan than as an actual human being. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You can laugh, but it's is what it comes down to if, in the end. And um, I don't know if she never defended her well, hardly defended her own kid. Like she, like we already discussed during the manga discussion. We saw that um, panel where she defended Zeke while he was crying in bed. But other than that, we don't see a whole lot of maternal affection towards Zeke. Like, no hugging, no telling him, you know, things will be better. We don't really see a whole lot of her anyway. Like, it seems more Grisha who is leading things and she just happily tags along to everything. She's more a plot device than a human at this point. I agree. She's she's basically a plot plug so that Zeke can have the royal blood and open that whole, you know, situation. Very devoted to Grisha. That's about all I can get out of her character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do wish she'd been fleshed out a little more. I think she does have potential, but Isayama just either didn't have time or didn't want to expand on, you know, her royal heritage or anything else about her besides her devotion to Grisha. Yeah, and I guess the devotion to Grisha that we're seeing in this chapter really helps explain that devotion after she became a Titan as well, actually going, finding him and going to him and eating his new wife. <laughs> Ouch. Good on Isayama. <laughs> so, Cash, uh, I'm very familiar with your work. I have some of it in my studio right now. I'm very fond of it. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your creative process? I, I got started in fandom, in SNK fandom specifically, like, I think I said in 2016, so about three years ago. And um, before that point, I hadn't really been drawing much since high school because, you know, work and school and everything had gotten in the way um, and life in general. So when the story had actually come around to the Shiganshina arc, the return to Shiganshina arc, um, I was really inspired and started drawing. And it's been nice seeing the improvement from when I started drawing at the bit, that point to now. And I've made a, a lot of improvements in my art. I pretty much just draw whatever is inspiring me. Sometimes it's like redraws of the chapter panels or funny ideas. Discord's been great because there's lots of different people like in different servers and it's it's fun to talk with them and make little comics or, you know, just a lot of different collaborative processes. Haven't been drawing a whole lot recently. Not gonna lie, Marley Arc was a huge source of inspiration. So that was really nice. And now that we're kind of past it and we're the story's slowed down for me personally, it's it's a little harder to to build up that want to draw. But I'm sure once Reiner shows back up or I've really been wanting to draw Zeke. I just haven't had much time recently because this last chapter especially was was really good for me. Like Luna, I also enjoy your merchandise and I am the proud owner of, let's see, one, two, three, four of your charms. I think I've ordered five in total. You did the um, the warriors on one side and their Titan forms on the back side. And those were just magnificent. They turned out really good. Now, that was my first time actually making something that wasn't just like a, an art print or something like that. It was really fun to produce them. It was a lot of work um, to sell them and package them and ship them because I was doing all the work myself on top of my full-time job. Right now, my store is closed because it was just it's just too much for me to handle. And I would really rather reopen it when I have some more stuff to put in there. But 
the creative process behind it was really fun. And it was just really it like my favorite part about all of it was they're in like chibi style, right? I really liked trying to take the Titans and make them cute in like a chibi style, especially Peak's cart Titan, because it's so awkward looking. <laughs> it's just like a little naked man. So that was that was definitely really fun to do. And I'd like to do, design more of those. I just haven't had like the chance or the inspiration to do so yet. So I, I have made promises that I would do some of the other warriors and I wouldn't mind doing some of the parody characters either. But part of the whole reason I wanted to make those in the first place is there was I mean, there's no Marley merchandise yet. The anime's not there. And even when it comes out, I know there's probably not going to be as much merchandise of my faves as I would like, especially my little pork bun boy. So it was really fun to make those. And now I have I have them all on my keys, too. I have my keys. I have them on my bulletin board with all my other merchandise. It was fun. And uh, we'll leave a link in the description to her art blog where you can check out her artwork. And we'll also leave a link to all the chibi key change because they're really cute. And I think you should check them out. And Heidi, you're one of the busiest people. I, I remember you're one of the first people in fandom that I met back in 2014. I think you joined in 2013. I mean, you absolutely have been a SNK machine for five years. Yeah, I <laughs> I spend probably more time than I, I should here. Um, but yeah, I joined in, uh, I think it was about mid-September. I actually resisted watching the series for a long time because I thought it looked stupid. <laughs> and then uh, I saw a really cracky, I don't know, gift set or something. And it had, uh, it had some, it had a song on it, like a... I don't know the name. It's like da 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 da, and it had this whole like gift set, and I thought it was so funny. I'm like, okay, I'll 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 give the series a try, and I watched the first episode, and and it made me cry, and then I was pretty much hooked after that. But um, yeah, ever since then, um, my blog's been pretty much at least ninety percent Attack on Titan, if not more, and I have a lot of side blogs that probably annoys people. <laughs> that I'm everywhere. Um, but I have a lot of side blogs that I run. Um, I, in 2015, started learning how to GIF and make edits. So that's been my primary hobby uh, since I started learning how to do that. I remember um, after the No Regrets OVA, you GIFed the entire episode within six minutes of it airing. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't me. I, did, I couldn't GIF yet because I think that was in 2014. But I did pretty much reblog every single GIF set that showed up on my dashboard. So maybe that was it. But I definitely with season two and season three, I would try to get in the first GIF on Tumblr before somebody else could do it. I remember <laughs> we were all waiting like, when is Heidi ready? We want the GIF. <laughs> I, uh, I will probably still have that impulse when the next, when part two starts dropping. It depends okay. on if I have to work that day. Yeah, and sometimes I write fan fiction, but I'm not totally confident in my creative writing, so it kind of just sits there a lot. And um, I like to write meta because I think breaking down a series and analyzing it and trying to understand the characters is a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes I fail horribly. Uh, most of my theories don't end up being correct, but I try. So what are all the side blogs you run? I have a shipping like event blog. Anybody who knows me could probably guess what ship that is. Um, <laughs> I also, I on two separate graphic like blogging websites. I um, do FPS and Geki, and then uh, recently, the team at Attack on Titans invited me, so I took that opportunity. And then I also just have like a writing side blog and 
various character centric side blogs. I've got uh, the Hobo Aaron URL, which made me happy. Once in a while, I'll reblog something on there. It's not as active as I want it to be, but just stuff like that. It makes me happy, so I just I just do it. Do you ever sleep, Heidi? That's what I want I to actually, know. Me too. I actually <laughs> sleep a lot. I'm always very tired and I'm always falling asleep. I get off work and I take naps and then I fall asleep at like eight o'clock and then I'll wake up at 10 and can't get back to sleep. And I'm kind of a hot mess. I don't have a sleeping schedule. I just kind of. You take naps a lot? I do take a lot of naps. It seems like I do a lot, but I might do less than it actually looks like. Okay. In the last five years, have you ever let your queue run out? I actually never used to run on a queue. I used to reblog until I hit post limit. I would reblog up to 250 <laughs> posts oh, a day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Uh, so what currently, was, what currently, what, what is your um, posting schedule? Uh, I do run my blog on a queue now because it's just easier to do that. I'll go through and like post. And then when I have some time, I'll go through and add them to my queue. Usually it's between 10 and 20. It depends on how full the queue is, but, um, if I'm online and I see like meta or anything like that, I'll reblog it. But um, I don't sit there and stare at my screen all day like I used to. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Back <laughs> in 2013, it was really, really, really easy to hit post limit because the fandom was way more active back then. Oh, it was insane then. And it was all very new to me and I was very excited. And I would stay up until four in the morning just reblogging <laughs> stuff. So I missed out on all the good old days. I joined the fandom way too late. Yeah, it, I, I don't mind the fandom the way it is now. It's slower, but um, there's a lot less drama, which is nice. So I've heard. Um, but I, I do miss seeing all the really cool cosplays. We had like these voice ask blogs. Those were a lot of fun. And just uh, all the, I don't know, cracky, meme posts and stuff like that. I, 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 miss, I miss that stuff and just the general activity. But it's not so bad now. It's quieter, but it's, it's all right. Are you still very active on Tumblr with all your side blogs since all the changes happened? Yeah, I've tried to uh, try out other platforms. Um, I was very upset with the terms of service update with Tumblr. I tried to move to Pillowfort. Um, it was completely unusable at first. It's usable now, but it's so slow. I have no interest in being over there. Uh, I've tried Twitter, but I don't like the... I just, I don't understand Twitter <laughs> and I don't like the character limits. And I don't like the whole, like, you have to just talk in threads. And I, I'm, I'm somebody who needs to, when I'm talking about my thoughts, I need to put it in a big long post. So I, Twitter doesn't really do it for me either. I really don't like Instagram, so I'm not going to go there. I've tried, but Tumblr is pretty much home. It's the only place where I can post graphics and do the things I, I actually enjoy doing. So I just mainly hang out on Tumblr and, and mm -hmm. Discord. It's a prison of our own making at this point. It, it is. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, link your main blog, Aaron Sieger Bombs. Do you want us to link any other of your um, blogs or just the main one? Nope. I have all my, I have all my side blogs on there. So if you want to explore that, that's on my blog theme. Well, thank you both so much for being our guests. We apologize again for the countless technical difficulties and for recording with us over the course of, what, four sessions and three days. So you guys were wonderful guests. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you again. It was a lot of fun to be here. Yes, it is. You guys are getting an A-plus for me. Thank you so much for doing this over and over and over again. And for all your help on the poll. I've loved working with all of you over the last, I guess, um, Cash for the last couple of years and Luna and Heidi. I've loved working with all of you. Likewise. 
It's been a lot of fun. Yes. When I hear about how busy Heidi is, I feel guilty for roping her in. No, I enjoy it a lot. I, I really do. It's a lot of fun. I have like guilt for leaving now. Like, <laughs> uh, You're not human, Heidi. I, I, I discussed this a little bit with Cash. We think you're like Casey Neistat, you know, like he only sleeps three hours a day and then works all day. See, I think you're like that. See, I thought you were, like, doing the Jeffersonian or whatever, like, sleep, where you only sleep for, like, 15 minutes at a time every three hours. Some days, I might. (laughs) You're not human, okay? (laughs) I don't know. I wouldn't function if I had to live like you. I'm sorry. I would die and crash, like, after two weeks. Maybe maybe I have a secret I'm not telling you guys. Yeah, I I think that's it. I think that's it. (laughs) As always, we thank our guests, but we also want to thank everyone who is listening to our podcast. Uh, If you would like to support us, please leave a comment. If you're listening on YouTube, you can leave a like, subscribe on whichever platform you're listening. Uh, We also have a Patreon and a Ko-fi if you want to support us that way. But if you have any other friends or family who love Attack on Titan and would like a podcast about Attack on Titan, you would also really help us if you could share you hear big girls with them but for now thank you for offering your hearts and ears and see you next month bye bye We're trying this boss one more time, too, so. So you're still playing. I'm still playing this damn game. I can't leave. No. Gosh. I can't leave. I've abandoned everyone. It's got a time limit on it. Mom has to leave. If we die again, I'm leaving. How much longer? I'm leaving. All right. Because this is stupid. Why are we dying so Cash, you're addicted to WoW. Stop. (laughs) We have other things to do.